was a market might have burst and the bubble collapsed But now it's rebounding, baby, so the dub is PR back In your face and in your ears, blowing up through your speakers Drop the bass and wind the gears and lace up your sneakers Cause we're on the attack, appreciating our call I won't settle for content, no, I want it all I'm the baddest thing around, you're secure in my nest My investment's running wild, just as lazy at rest I'm making money while I'm sleeping, you just know and digest The Wall Street players stay on top, we're the best of the best Welcome back to another episode of the Crash Chords Podcast. I, of course, am Stormageddon. I'm John. I'm Steve. Um, and what you just heard at the top of the show was The Three, Part Two, um, which is one of the many awesome songs that are going to be out in the upcoming album of the Wall Street Players. Hello. Who are our guests today. <laughs> Interestingly, it's actually The Two, Part Three. Because oh. it's the third time we have had these guests, and we only have two of them this time. That's Whoa. true. So, um, of course, joining us is the Prophet Prophet James and Future Money Alon. Um, we oh. are Sans Whoozy What's It. <laughs> Hello, guys. <laughs> Waving at the microphone doesn't do anything <laughs> no, for no. anybody. As a musician, <laughs> I would have thought you'd, you'd figured that one out by now. <laughs> well, you know. we. I mean, we made a lot of physical gags on the podcast in the early days. I still throw in quotes for every once in a while. But the way I reiterated that just now right. with physical comedy. Oh, and now James is doing oh, sign, no, language sign language on the podcast. Oh, yeah. That's nine levels of cruel. <laughs> um, if my wife had known that you knew sign language, she would have had a conversation with you. I'm She's Italian. Four. Oh, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well done. Well played. Um, I'm happy to have you guys back on the show, though. Of course, I love your stuff, and I've known you guys for a while. And you were actually our first guest ever on the show. Episode two, you joined us. Wow. Wait. 
And then what Wait. was the other episode that they were on? Okay, they were that? on episode two. This is about four years ago now. It will wow. be four years this coming summer. Episode two, Thank You, Happy Birthday by Casey Elephant, which they yes. just stood there and took it because they did not listen to the album and we didn't do guest reviews back then. Yeah, we no. totally screwed they, that we one just, up. Yeah. We just did our own thing and they just shut up for the duration. I heard really that album good. a lot because you guys, it was great. I had liked them previously from random songs, but I really, now it's one of my repeat albums. Interesting. Awesome. Oh, All it's, right. It's still I'm glad right. to know it wasn't total yeah. torture. <laughs> no, it was fun. All right, and then and then you had your second appearance. And that was episode twenty nine, which was about half a year later. This was "Hide the Kitchen Knives" by the Paper Chase, <gasps> yes, featuring the Wall Street Players, and you actually inaugurated the precedent for the guest review. Dude, I love you that. It was the first time we ever did yeah. a guest review where they pick it, and uh, we continued that ever since. Still so been a scary guys. album. Though. Did we thanks. also inaugurate your? Uh, we we have to keep it within the last couple of years uh, instead of no that was something Steve were, came up with recently <laughs> a decade old which is funny because for the first ten episodes I was most guilty of not following that right it's yeah. true well, you had all of time before the first thing and then you had to become relevant because after about ten episodes you're getting into year time oh we had to become relevant yeah you hear the way he's talking wait down to us? wait uh, wait we're relevant oh er, mm-hmm. you hear the way you were talking down to us yeah I do I'm the one who said it I mean if you weren't relevant John you hear the way he's right? talking that's true because you guys are super relevant um, yeah. so <laughs> so the first thing I wanted to ask you guys because I actually don't think I know how Wall Street players came to hmm. be um, I've known Alon for a long time we went to school for years and years and years together and so I've known him since I was a little kid but I don't know how the three of you got together and made a rap group alright I'll start this one so yeah. um, I had a production label called Phrase Productions fantastic you should hear all of their work um, you probably already have so we were working on different side projects and things there was a rock group and other stuff happening and they were doing silly things and I said no more side projects we need to focus on something no more and the very next week Alam wasn't in the group yet kind I of I was not well, but I was the fourth the other two members Doug who's not here today and Jay who's no longer with the group but still friends were taking the the ferry, which goes to Manhattan for work, and he works in Wall Street, Jay, and they started just roughing it back and forth and talking about it, and then they came back to me with this idea for Wall Street players, and I'm like, God damn it, Miss, <laughs> I said no more side projects, but this is fantastic, so we have to do it. So we went through the process with the plan of doing a show, and we needed a manager, which in steps. Yeah, be- became me. Well, I, I guess I kind of started out as like a hype man, right, for those first couple of shows. Yes. Where I just came in, out and I introduced everyone and I stood on stage and kind of nodded my head while they rapped. And uh, eventually, Jay, for personal reasons, had to leave the group and so I stepped into his role. Yep. It's amazing. We, did we actually get this information on episodes so. 2 and 29? I don't think so. We were really bad back then. We were. Yeah, we yeah. were bad. Yeah, we really still, were. Yeah. I haven't even heard you guys. Thanks <laughs> <laughs> um, for comment of the day. So, so the next thing I, I guess I would ask is, I mean, I've known Alon for a while, and most of the time when we did talk about music, it was usually rock or metal, not rap. Um, a lot of metal, yeah. A lot of a lot metal. Of metal. Um, a lot of metal. Huh? Yeah. Well, I still listen to a lot of metal. A lot of metal. That, the, that's for another episode. What, yeah. what kinds of music kind of influenced you as rappers? Did you pull from a lot of other rap groups, or was it kind of just you know the music you brought to the table from what you listened to regularly? So I used to hate hip-hop, like really. Mm. I was very close-minded. A lot, a lot of rock music got heavier and heavier and heavier. And then I somehow got, and I, but I 
listen to like uh, what's that group with Everlast in it? House of Pain, like House, House of, of Pain, Pain and Vanilla yeah. Ice, and all the like that kind of hip hop back in like the early early nineties. And then I hated hip hop for a while, and then I got into Insane Clown Posse, <laughs> and I'm still a Juggalo, Ninja for Life, totally down with the clown. But you know, I grew up a bit, and then hip hop changed a lot, and I started listening to actual hip hop, and Eminem got me into the mainstream hip hop. And then early, oddly enough, did we? Announce what album we're doing today for the. Not yet. We have not mentioned yet. They have the title. Don't oh, worry we have the title. Them. Okay. They know. If they've clicked on the episode, they, <laughs> they know. know. And then in the early, in the aughts or the early thousands or sure. whatever you call it, I got into more like not mainstream hip hop. Like Definitive Jux Records was a lot of the music I listened to. Um, Mr. Liff, Edon, things like that. And I was working in radio at the time, so I got to play a lot of that music. LP, who's half the members of this group that we're going to be talking about later, actually co-founded that group and was into a lot of the music I was listening to then. So it actually helped me shape my musical hip-hop hmm. realm. Well, that's kind of cool. Yeah, I feel like we can get a very well, different answer starting now. Um, <laughs> no, actually, you know what? It's slightly kind of the same because for yeah. some unknown reason, in high school, I listened to a lot of Insane Clown Posse. <laughs> and... <laughs> They got I don't around. know why they, you know, they, their, a lot of their music and their backing tracks had a lot of like really hard rock. Mike Clark. Um, yeah, there, the there's a lot of hard rock influence into it, and the lyrics were just funny. Yeah, that, right, that's, yeah. that's kind of what I mean, it was. I've always, been, I've always been a fan of comedy, and so just this addition of like these really funny lyrics to like these hard rock driven beats really kind of made me interested in what they were doing and you know didn't not really getting into the mythology or you know becoming ensconced in like the whole juggalo thing but, um, <laughs> James but, still, but still really enjoying their music for for those kind of reasons well it's funny because that actually segues into i guess our our second and really obvious question what are your comic influences and did that play any role in WSP at all? Oh. Hmm. Well, I mean, growing up, it was a lot of sketch comedy and a lot of British comedy. So, you know, Monty Python, Kids in the Hall, SNL from, from the late 80s, early so 90s. So the whole concept of like a sketch-based, parody-based group was exactly. kind of right up your alley. So exactly yeah. right, yeah. right up my it's alley. It's a joke. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so I don't know, but it was funny to me. <laughs> that was funny. I mean, one of my favorite lines about this comes from a... MC Frontalot did a documentary, mm -hmm. and there's a line in it, and it might have been Lars who said it, or he was nearby in that part of the documentary, where it says it's about being funny without it being a joke. Yeah. So, which I, I've took that to heart since the beginning of I all mean, of this. It's a great way to put it. Like, a lot of the indie rap and nerdcore that I've listened to, because my, my development with music is actually similar to your guys', is where, like, in high school, I listened to a lot of rap. Buster Rhymes, Puff Daddy, Biggie, mm -hmm. and then, like... When I hit college, I kind of just fell out of it. I dived heavier into rock music, but then with nerdcore and indie rap outside of nerdcore, kind of pulled me back in. Maybe because it was what I was looking for. And that documentary, especially like that line, the idea of creating a band that's funny, but is not a joke. Like you take it seriously. The idea that you know Wall Street players, there's a gag to it, but but you guys, you know, are talented rappers who do make good music, but you're also perpetuating this kind of fun gag silliness, for, especially oh, for your live yeah, shows. It, I mean, it absolutely started as a gag, but, you know, here we are. I mean, you do wear two ties. I do wear two ties, but that's only because it's, you know, you're from future, the future. future styling. Yeah. It's better than two chains. That's true. That's also true. And there was that like one time chains. that I wore two belts also. The only problem is that was 2015 future, because this is a Back to the Future reference. But the changes have occurred. Yeah. Like and the that's the past wibbly now. Wobbly. So. Yeah, that's well, true. Well, it's wibbly the past, wobbly. but 
you know, now now that that style is is actually in style, right? Right. Or was it in style? But then last you should be year? present money. Know. Just present saying. Money. You could be present. And that's money. Could he, be present money. Time is weird. That ruins man. the whole joke. It's true. <laughs> um, th- that's actually something I want to ask. I'm an underbuyer. Because you're very upfront <laughs> about <an> envelope. <laughs> you're very upfront about your muggle names, as it were. You know, like a lot. Some of the nerdcore. Ra- I know, right? It's always the du- the, the, the silliest way to refer to like. I love not. it. But it, but it, but it's it's become kind of ubiquitous to refer to as like your real name as that. But. What's interesting to me is some some rappers don't go by their real name. They they don't deny what their name is, but like MC Frontalot prefers to go by Front. He doesn't really go by his real name, even though it's known. Same for Lars. Like I know Lars's yeah. real name, but I've never called him that. He's Lars. Sure. When you guys were creating the names for the for the for the group, <laughs> what was the process? I'll start with this. So and uh, can someone speak for Hoozy Wats also? I will especially Hoozy Wats is only one the only original name in the group that we still have. Yes, that's actually so, true. The original Prophet used to have a different name. Yeah, do you remember it? We'll get there. So I do. So when we started the group. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's right. We uh, Jay, who's no longer in the group, his mom just said nonsense words. She's an amazing woman, but she says nonsense words. So Hoozy Wats it and Rinky Dink and Doot to Doot, and I was Doot to Doot. Yeah, Jay Jay used to be Rinky Dink. That's what my dad is. I, I appreciate that. Bachigaloop. Yeah. I heard that all the time. Yes, And exactly. it meant things. It really did. It does. Yeah, Bachigaloop. Yeah. Kiss, kiss of the wolf. <laughs> really? That makes sense. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. So, <laughs> so our names came from these silly nonsense words. I always hated my name. It didn't fit structurally into the song where we announced our names. And I just hated it. And... Then Rinky Dink was gone, and it was just who's he was, and you were money, so it was money who's he was, and do to do. I didn't like the name, so <laughs> right. I got so we decided name. that since we were W dollar sign P, oh, yeah. that we should have a W name, a dollar sign name, and a P name. Oh, that's right. Was that right? my idea? I don't know who's probably idea was my idea. So I got take credit for it. He doesn't remember. Yeah, that's right. Oh, it was totally James's idea. <laughs> See? Oh, that's uh, you know what? It's funny. I've never actually made that connection. I also that. just made that. And connection. we all wear the, sh- the jackets. We're still that. Yeah, yeah. We're still not that good, man. No, we're not. Yeah. Um, but that does make sense considering, yes, during the video shoot for the bear, you guys wore those jackets, which yeah, um, and which the, those are our concert costumes as well. Right, branding, which is a good way to segue to the the live concert. So you know, tax day, of course, is the big performance day um, that you guys have always done. Is that how it started? Were you always performing on tax day or did it just like that become an idea no. with the cup afterwards? So it wasn't the cup yet. It was Martini Red still, yep. a place we used to play at. It was the second annual tax day show that be- it became a tradition. Right. The first one happened by accident. We went to have our third tax day show and realized that it was our second one, but yeah. it wasn't because one already already happened. So our second one was really our third by chance. I'm glad you remember that. <laughs> I, I make the flyers, so I have a flyer folder. And, <laughs> so I found the wrong one. I'm like, wait, this isn't our second one. This is our third. And then we just kept doing it for years and years. I don't remember keeping track until maybe the fifth one. And Same. then we're like, oh, how long have we been doing this? But now About do you go, years. when you do it like in, in April, let's say 2016, is it like the 2015, 15 school year tax day show? No, because it's confusing. Do you call it? No, oh, but <laughs> you led me on. <laughs> no, we discuss. We will discuss the fiscal year and lead up promotion for the shows, and gotcha. we will discuss it on stage, but it would be really... Might, Bizarre. To write that on a flyer would just... <laughs> confuse man, everyone. That would confuse everyone. Yes. Um, like, except Steve, apparently. 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 <laughs> I think it's obvious. And I, did, I usually I never done my taxes. Happen? Almost every tax day show I'd either just done or 
had not quite done my taxes yet, which is always a running gag, but not on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> it just kind of happened. With the live show, the one thing I've always noticed that I really liked is the the projector and like the video screen. Like for Greed is good. I love that you have actual clips from the movie that the quote is from, and it's just it, Wall Street. Yeah. Wall Street, yes. yes. Wall Street. Um, <laughs> I figured it was obvious, but but thank you for telling our audience anyway. Um, so, did you always want to incorporate video into the performances, or is that something that yes. came later? Yeah. So I'm a big fan of video backdrops for performances. I've been doing this for years. Um, I was in a band with actually Jay and Doug, Room 237, and I would throw video protection behind that. Mm-hmm. I Everyone who's at this event is a film major at some point in <laughs> That's true. So making videos is something we always did. Yeah. And I used to do uh, video projection for a talk show, um, a, a local talk show, but Jay Miller, who does the writing for Practical Jokers. We had a cool talk show, and I would just run that. So running a keynote-based production was just kind of what I was doing at the time anyway. And it's the punchline to the joke is visual, and we're a live band by, you know, heart. I mean, yeah. the entire right. point of the, a band, like the f- goal, was to do one show. Yeah. Everything yeah. else is just a whole lot of icing. <laughs> um, and then... We've featured you on the show before, and we've featured other songs that you've got, uh, done before on the show. Um, the The first EP that you guys put out, how long did it take for you guys to put the EP together? Ooh, that was uh, that was a little while. I mean, the actual recording of it only took a couple of weeks. That's true. Right? But the the writing process was was slow going. Well, it's like DMX um, says, it took your entire life to create your first album. And then right. It's, you know, You're just perusing the Wall Street Journal every day, going. God, kind of most, most of those songs were written on the the ferry commute. <laughs> That's pretty um, funny. <laughs> At, when so. you hit the business section, all of a sudden, yes, inspiration. Exactly. Oh, that yeah. EP. Exactly. Uh, we touched on a bit uh, the video from that EP, The Bear, Bear, which I got to witness live the recording and did a write up for Crash Chords way back in the day when we, you know, for articles section, you can go and look up the Wall Street Players. I did a write up on the video and link to it. Yeah, um, the the making of a video like that and for making videos in the future like I imagine you have plans to make videos for the new songs that will be coming out on the new record plans I mean <laughs> the world is paved on amazing plans <laughs> but where did the <laughs> idea for plans. the bear come from I mean it, you know it, it had a pretty interesting and unique ne- narrative structure it was kind of it was very fun to watch the progression of it was there always kind of an idea to have the kind of narrative of this bear chasing oh. you into the city or oh the bull yeah, yeah. so pretty, pretty much again yeah. economics yeah. 101 yeah. yeah we started at home and then we got to where the bull was yeah we, a bear chased us bears and bulls and it was just funny and yeah. the concept kind of just drew, drove the entire production yeah. the actual <laughs> sets in between kind of see bears and bulls there's the joke yeah. right yeah it was kind of like we had this idea for a video the bear mm-hmm. was going to chase us until we got to the bull and then we'd be protected um but the like like james just said the the actual shooting process and all the locations that we shot the video in were just kind of you know fly by the seat of your pants where right. where should we go next what should our next scene be yeah oh look here's some newspapers let's do a hiding from the bear behind newspapers our, scene. our, our, our director of photography was saint yeah, yeah uh, he was he was really great uh jeff salas he's actually the dp of practical jokers now also a lot of weird connections with that right so but yeah it was he was amazing and he just followed us along and just rolled with it and just we did it dirty and had a great time. And so and you feature the music video during the live shows now, right? For the bear? Yes. 
Um, you we still yes we go we back do and forth. sometimes we go back and forth because yeah, like we because we really like the the found footage uh, video yeah. that we had created for it also so. so we often do backing footage for every video every song we do, we will not do a song live without a video behind it mm. at all uh, whether it's something simple or not um, and often we'll make those before we'll make the real video so what do you do do you lose it you yeah. know it's right exactly and even the and we're, first, pr- yeah. we're we're proud of every single video we've made for our shows. So it's it's hard to like let go of one of those because we can't play both at the same time. Well, also speaks to like the sketch comedy background there. I feel like you're pretty much seeing visuals every single time you write down a lyric. Right, so. exactly. Awesome. Oh, I love Doug. Doug was not here. He does a lot of our videos where it's like joke, 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 <laughs> and it's amazing. That's Doug. That was Doug. Wow. Popping in to Doug. do that. that, was, that was, so that we should all officially on air congratulate Doug, who just had a baby girl. So Alexis. congratulations, yes. congratulations, oh, Doug. We're sorry you can't be here. Well, we will. Alexis. We will do this again. We'll of course bring you guys back again. Um, we'll bring just the kids next time. Right. Exactly. We we'll just oh, have a true. party. There are now three kids since our first podcast. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. We can have the Wall Street babies. Wall Street the babies. Wall Street son. babies. Don't you forget it. I really want. I really want that photo shoot to happen <laughs> of like the three babies dressed as you guys. Oh. I want that to happen. Wait for Lex oh. to sit up, then we'll do it. Oh, yeah, there you yeah. go. There, exactly. <laughs> Money babies. <laughs> Money babies. Um, Here's a random fact mm. before uh, you segue. Mm. Most people do not know that the bull in Bowling Green is really not that old. 1989. It's hardly antique. And it's not even like officially part of the city, is it? Is it no, the... I think... No, it's still owned by someone else. Yeah, yeah. Did, didn't... Wasn't it one of those like midnight installations where the guy just came yep. and, and yep. put it there? And, and it was going to be very, away. very temporary and then yeah. people kind of took a shine to it and now it's like, hey, the Bowling Green Bull. Yeah. yeah. It was amusing to me in the video shoot that... So if you watch the video towards the end when we get to the bull, <laughs> it's, there's a dance party and it's mostly because the, we, we all showed up. They were rapping in front of the bull and then like people were starting to gather and so I think it was you asked... You just have a dance party and everyone like got really on board and that, that was kind of fun to watch like that kind of a transition yes. in person happened like where just people got into what you guys were doing and then it, it happened yeah. I think it speaks okay. to your live chemistry because I think your live you, like you said you're a live band yeah. you you engage an audience in a way do you think that's because of your comedy kind of chops like your background the, the way you kind of engage lively in person um I don't know. Maybe uh, <laughs> me personally, I get so nervous up on the stage he does. that. That's <laughs> <laughs> So does they, that. They always tell me, you know, oh, take a drink beforehand. And I said, no, 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 no. I only have water before the show. All the drinking happens after. I only have whiskey. I'm the same way. <laughs> Just about anything. Lots of whiskey. Um, no, I always, I always, it always fascinates me the distinction between those type of personalities because I was in a band once where pretty much people were just down in it beforehand. I'm like, you don't have any worries that you're just gonna like, you know, slip at some point or a lyric is gonna go by you. You don't worry as much when you're on lots of whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> I guess maybe that's true. Yeah. <laughs> so you still get a, a heavy stage fright when you perform? Is that something that you've kind of moved past as you perform more? Um, once the show starts, it fades away right. because at that point I need to be in the moment right. and if you know I you're in the, go, you're in the show, go zone if, right exactly if I show that I'm too nervous right. then, then everyone so it's the lead up that kind of gives you the anxiety right. once you're performing exactly. you're fine exactly and he's on a mission too I mean like his timing is impeccable I have to just count him on that because seriously I couldn't get through any of our recording processes if he wasn't there <laughs> it's, it's timing as in comedic timing no, or just lyrical no definitely not that no, oh. Like, oh, it's coming out so, uh oh uh oh this is what third interviews are for absolutely <laughs> exactly. like the shock yeah. Getting to, the, yeah. no, getting to the bottom of it. Our recording process is a trip, man. It's, it wouldn't work if we recorded it knowing we were, but man, it's it's a, it's a challenge. Um, but he yeah. definitely has time to keep us on point. So when you're on stage and you're in front of a lot of people, you can 
stick to that because you have to get to the next beat you know when it's coming it's very structured my lyrics are all over the place so I don't know where it's going on so I just drink a lot of whiskey (laughs) (laughs) when you pull from the ether randomly and it magically organizes itself sometimes I'm rapping sometimes I'm being attacked by a dog things happen it's crazy sometimes sometimes, and sometimes I just have to end up you know rapping over him because we gotta keep that song going (laughs) speaking of the lyrics though sometimes he gets taken away how does the writing process work for you guys do you get together and write do you write individually and bring it together later. Yes. And like, so speaking for lyrics, like so part one yes. is lyrics and then part two is for the beats. Most of the that. time? Okay. Yes. Oh, wait. You were asking two separate questions. Yes. Um, the answer to both is yes. Okay. okay. It's true. Um, but we do work together and we work apart. Um, usually most songs get a rough draft written very quickly. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a spur of like emotion or energy. Like either, you know... All three of us have done it. I know Doug literally had to do it in the shower and had to come out to do things. I just <laughs> sit there and type random nonsense, and they help me structure it into an actual song. Our structures are crazy. <laughs> like, you'll never know this, but we do everything in Google Docs. First course, time travel, that kind of thing. I don't no, even... It's more like A, B, A, B, 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 A, C, A, C, C, A, B. That's actually, I think, a real one. Yeah. But, like, the... That might be time travel. But I think there's, like, multiple, like, rhymes within lines. That, like, like the second to last, like, syllable of each line will rhyme differently. It's like, we do crazy stuff that only we'll ever see. And we have, like, references upon references that aren't in... Oh, some are inside jokes. But, like, essentially, they're just things that we love about it. So if you, when you listen to it again and again, you get something else out of it, which I'm sure will come up later in this. And so in other words, it reads like a finance report, kind of. Like a you need to bit. understand it. Can, it can be it a little bit dense it. if you're not getting some of the random references that we like to throw around. Yeah, we've start um, we've we've edged a little bit away from very very strict financial jargon. That's true. By not having the one member in our group that's from Wall Street and help a bit, <laughs> <laughs> and me being terrible with money. <laughs> um, and then for the beats, do you guys kind of write those together as well, or? Um, James usually starts on kind of a skeleton of a beat, and then we'll all sit together and we'll and work it, it out, and flesh it out, it and flesh it out, and kind of form it around the structure of the song. And well, usually, what's that yeah. progression? I mean, what's your background first of all? Considering you seem to be the the guy who's assembling it first. So. I mean, I don't know. It's weird. I mean, I really got into this from a computer programmer brain, mm-hmm. and I wasn't. I never played an instrument. I don't know how to play a keyboard. You know, I'm an amazing lyricist and singer. <laughs> you all should know that. No, I just, you know, so I just kind of untrained, had a computer in front of me and started making sounds out of it. I started with Pro Tools. It's a basic production there. So computer literacy pretty much just transitioned you right into. Yeah. Yeah. And the creative works, like music like and film stuff, made me an Apple right. user. And then the Apple tools just circularly. In my experience, people who are, are you good at math by any chance? I love math. People who are good at math tend to be really, really good at music, whether they had any musical background or training what's, or, or not. Doug and I wrote a beat on graph... What's the, the square paper? Graph, graph paper? paper? Graph paper. I was right. Yeah. Cool, yeah. Graph we wrote it on math, graph paper. Really good at math, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Just checking. Like, it was fun. Like, I really do love math. <laughs> <laughs> I like it when you connect the dots and the graphs and they make the pictures. And then those... Oh, pi- that those, was that sound. Yeah. And then that's that sound. sound. But now, how, how does... How do two backups, I guess, help people, help someone with that? Because I find that usually when it comes to any rap group, there's usually one guy doing that, and that's their job, and they just take care of that front, 
and then the other rappers do their thing and they smack them together and hope that they work. So what is that collaboration that you were speaking of? Well, it starts, I mean, the, by default, the physical equipment is usually within my grasp physically, like my computers, my things, my electronics. But so we did something interesting. Um, a lot of our production is through uh, Logic from Apple. Mm -hmm. uh, we've done some Pro Tools recording from because all of our recordists were always using Pro Tools, but we do our production in Logic. That's what we use. And GarageBand will seamlessly transition into that. So we start our songs often in GarageBand, right. synchronize it with Dropbox because the feature's awesome, <laughs> and we all would have the same project file, and we can all just tap at it, peck at it, make changes, and then we right. would just Dropbox as revisions when we add revision things, and Someone can just make whatever changes they want. So the answer to my question is basically modern times. Modern times, man. Pretty yeah. much. Yeah. Computers really f drove this. So I mean, every, everything we do is is really collaborative, and our our kind of thinking with our lyrics and our music is kind of just put something down, and then if <laughs> someone else sees it and doesn't like it, they can go ahead and feel free to change it. Yeah. But that's actually very interesting. Yeah. So right. So so you know, once something is down, it's going to stay that way until someone says, you know what, forget this. Let's so, let's get rid of that and change it. So we had a song that had like let's say three verses, okay, and each and it were like you know three parts in each verse, something like that. And the first one, and the last one were empty, forever. Like we, it was like never changing because nobody would had the perfect lyrics to put there. And like we're like, nope, yeah, fix this. So we just put stuff in there that we didn't like. Hmm. But yeah. that quickly got replaced by things we did like. So none of us would allow bad things to stay, but all of us would allow blank lines to stay in hopes of something good. But none of us would let something bad stay. So yeah, you put the logic in logic. It sounds yeah, we found that the re the revision process is sometimes easier than just the the uh, initial writing initial process. Initial writing process. So we just write down whatever and then look at it the next week. Or if James and I will will write something, we'll say to Doug, "Go look at this and change it." I so mean, that's fascinating. Yeah. It it's better. like a it's like a productivity flowchart. Yeah, it's yeah. like copy editing, like on crack. Like it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but also with Google Docs, we both are both typing live to each other, and we can see who's typing what. It's another modern that's time. Pretty thing, cool. Right? Yeah. Or yeah. He'll write it, he'll highlight what I'm writing while I'm writing it, we can see the changes in live, and then I would go and change something, and we can go back to previous revisions and just see, well, look at the purple pink outlines, and we know that was him, and we color code all of our lyrics to know who sings it. I think what this color could solve world hunger. We, I think I really do. Yeah, but you know, that's the process. Right. <laughs> is he red? James is red, I'm green, Doug is blue. Yeah. <laughs> Primarily, we like to have those colors. Waka, 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 waka. That was a bad joke. Yeah, well, that's yeah. all right. We, we appreciate those. <laughs> except, except green. Um, uh, so, wait, really? Forget it. No, is green a primary <laughs> color? No. Really? <laughs> No, it's not. What's it's problem? it's red, blue, and yellow. Oh, yeah. actually, yellow no. blue plus yellow slight, equals slight cyan. tangent. Slight, slight tangent. In visual light, it is red, green, blue. In in pigment, it's red, yellow, blue. Right. Yeah. Well, so well, it's well, magenta, cyan. Blue, blue for well, we're actually, which are actually combinations yeah. of red, green, and blue. But that's a whole different thing, and that's okay. why your LED monitors. <laughs> Stop. Yeah, I was, Just going, I was waiting for it. Why do you think I paused? <laughs> See, John comes in when he's so, <laughs> so Law is not a primary member of all three players. That's so. true. Uh, I am a secondary member. That's true. Well, you're it's primary now. True because I took over for Jay. He's still green. Yeah, he's still green. That's true. <laughs> it isn't easy being green. Yep. That's not. what I'm told by Green frog. is the color of money, so. That is true, also. Gold is yellow. What? You could be yellow. Gold is yellow. Oh, okay. Primary. But he's not gold. He's not future gold. He's fine, future money. Fine. Go on to the next topic. <laughs> um, I think this is a good transition point to uh, 
At least I'm not the only Underminer. <laughs> no, Underminer. Uh, that would be the worst superhero ever. John Ratzenberger at the end of The Incredibles. Uh, oh, that's right. That yeah. is right. I Mole forgot man. about that. Mole Man. Yeah. Underminer. Yeah. Um, so, um, well, actually, the, one, one other question before we transition to a song and then the album review. Since both you and Doug have had kids, Doug very recently, and you, you have two now. Piles. <laughs> Piles of kids Piles. at this point. Yeah. Do you feel kids like that's going to influence your writing going forward? I mean, even though the band kind of has, like, you know, a hook, and it's the fact that it's a Wall Street-based band, do you think that having children will change how you write? I might write less, but I don't think it would change, change content. Content. Okay. I might reference my child, I assume, at some point. I don't know. I mean, That's you might have question. more financial financial insights to child rearing. I guess saving up for college. It's what I, mean, I do. We always kind of reference no. our children, but they were usually our pets. So, <laughs> um, Ludo. Yes. Uh. Well, apparently, it affects certain third members from attending promotional podcasts. That is true. Anyway, she's about, just saying. Just yeah. you know, literally, she's like eight days old. Yeah, <laughs> as of this podcast, his baby is eight you're days good, old. Doug, you're good. You're <laughs> good. Um, so, uh, before we transition to the next song, which is Gainsta. Gain. Um, nice. You like how it came in there, right? It did. Um, tell us a little bit about this song, where it came from in the writing process, since we have a specific reference here. Oh, oh boy. That's a, that's a good question. Uh, how long ago did we write this song? I don't know. I like this song a lot, though. Yeah, it's a good song. <laughs> nice subject change. <laughs> um, was, was, so, okay, for, for this song, did the lyrics come first or the beat? Almost definitely the lyrics. The lyrics, yeah. 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 The lyrics are usually what comes first. And then we kind of have a little library of beats, and we try to fit the the beats onto the music, onto the lyrics that we kind of feel that they would go the best with. When he says and library, then, he means like we've done a, a bunch of like you know basic short samples of things right. that we then flush right. it out into fuller things, usually in reason, garage band, or logic, depending on the mood. Your beat pile. Along yes. with your kid pile, you have a beat pile, and you pull as you need. I yeah. do. <laughs> I'm not sure which is messier. <laughs> and so, and so, this you kind of just created the lyrics, this kind of narrative-ish, and then found a beat that Some, matched it. Yeah. Sometimes what happens is we we have you know because everything is in Google Docs, we have this one Google Doc where we just kind of throw piles of random lyrics. Mm -hmm. um, as, as they what <laughs> that can come up later. Okay. okay. That was like. So we you know, so the whole thing. The song we're gonna hear later in the track was built completely around lyric piles. Oh so really? This song we're talking about our beat piles. No, okay. It's just funny. It happens no. both ways sometimes. It's so crazy. Right, but uh, sometimes um, sometimes we take uh, one of the more fleshed out piles of of lyrics and just create a song around that because we like the structure of how that that verse or that phrase ended up sounding so we'll, we'll create a song about that and that that's kind of how Gangsta came around actually Gangsta has an interesting um like starting point i'm pretty sure this all came from a thing that mc lars is a rapper a friend he uh, has been people. on the show not on this show but on the interview show that i do as well cc autographs yeah so what's the line he said it was about it was no, a line. i thought that was greed is good that it, he what's the line that he helped us with what's the word I don't know. All right, I'm lies. Cut, the, cut this out. We don't edit. <laughs> I, I assume you didn't. Well, we we do actually, but we we're not going to considerably yeah. unless we're being cruel. Right. Um, uh, it's a good song. Yes. <laughs> so we'll, we'll pause here. Enjoy Gainsta. Unless there's anything else you guys would like to add. I remember liking the song. Oh, that's a good song. Yeah, it is a good song. Um, I enjoyed the when you guys perform it live. Actually, it's got a lot of energy for the live version. Gainsta. So, so um, enjoy Gainsta, and we will be back in a moment.
my name's Future Money, better learn to chip fast I'm out of my time, man, you're right on my class I made all my money when the stock market crashed But my time machine broke, so now I'm stuck in the past But now the past is past, and so has the future So my future is the past, or my future past future Confused? You should be, cause Prophet wrote those lines With Zeppelin time signatures and MF Doom rhymes Your Prof show it's how it's done and don't be lax Rock this motherfucking beat with your ill syntax Contradicted, contrapositive, defenestrate the facts Make this apologies to fallacies with wordplay attack Relax, your supposition's incomplete You stumbled, now you meet That's lying at my feet, not discreet But with an air of suspense For the purpose of intent You're in past present tense Yo, prof What? You ain't even making sense Forget sense, I got common dollars Forget popping collars, I be popping at the copper Making so much more than copper, I can skip any color Cause I'm setting precedent With my power in the president, so many presidents Dead and green in the back of my wallet Never tested knowledge as a player, profit, profit Not quite a gangster, stock market prankster Living a dream on the way to the bankster Gangster? I'm a gangster Calling in false tips, manufactured loose lips Watch the market shake up as I sink all your chips Gangster? Yo, they say to me, who is he? That's my dog goes by who's he? What you ask, he puts you to task Who's he? What's in his shade, you bask? What you think you're doing? It's only you you're screwing. I know your temper's doing, but my entire cruising. You got future money, profit, then you got me. The who's he was DJ, you're the dub SP. Gangsta! Damn right, I'm a gangsta. Now I rush to the mic like 2112. Wall Street players taking care of selves, taking care of wealth. And about you, we don't care your health. Take our share and shelf. All concerned for others, best watch yourself. You Maybe strapped with gas and still strapped for cash. Wall Street players eat your average cat. Straight popping caps. Caps are a capital full or not. Like a coffee set. Best keep your eyes open while your fools are taking naps. Yes. And you know we ain't sleeping cause the city never does. It's not who you're gonna be. It's who you were and never was. You might have had a little buzz, but it's straight clapped out. Wall Street players leave your ass tapped out. I'm a gangster, not quite a gangster, stock market prankster, living the dream on the way to the bankster, gangster. I'm a gangster, calling in false tips, manufactured loose lips, watch the market shake up as I sink all your ships, gangster. This a little we had and made it more than we could use But you gotta be careful with the stocks you choose You see, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose But you gotta play the market when the payout is your muse I stay down with Dow Jones cause it's the place to be Heart of the world, financial, down, down at NYC. NYC I rock the London Exchange and both TSEs But the NYSE is always home to me Money's under your mattress, no return to dividends Interest don't get made, pan the nest to your bed Echo we the word gold, but it may as well be led You wanna start getting paid, listen to your Wall Street friends Cause we know all about the bear and when you must diversify We know all about the bull And when the limit is the sky We know all about the risk So scary that you'll cry Yeah, living check the chest Struggling just to get by I'm a gangster Not quite a gangster Stock market prankster Living the dream on the way to the bankster Gangster I'm a gangster, calling in false tips, manufactured loose lips, watch the market shake up as I sink all your ships, gangster. 
I'm a gangster, not quite a gangster, stock market prankster, living the dream on the way to the bankster, gangster. I'm a gangster, calling in false tips, manufactured loose snips, watch the market shake up as I sink all your ships, gangster. That, as I said before, was Gainsta by the Wall Street Players. Not enough reflection. Not enough. More. Gainsta? There you go. Gainsta? Love yeah. it. And I just want to just say I was right. <laughs> before you, before the break? So modest. So Alon so said modest. that it wasn't a thing that, you know, Lars has said. Yeah, was okay. a line, stay down with Dow Jones? Because it's the place to be. Yeah, it doesn't the third verse of our track. Financial. It's one of Doug's lines. That, that line, I'm pretty sure, came from MC Lars. You're pretty sure. Was, so you don't know for a fact that I was wrong. You're usually wrong. You just wrong. like calling me wrong. Because you're usually wrong. Oh, okay. Well. Uh-oh, that's the first logical well, problem we've had. I, I, I think it's great, though, <laughs> that, that you guys have some have gotten some support from MC Lars. He's probably the nicest guy probably in all of entertainment history. Um, I made this before, but he's driven me to the airport. Well, uh, did he really? That's yeah. awesome. And, uh, and unsurprising. One of my interviews with uh, a main bass rapper, Spose, on Crash Chords Autographs, we spent 20 minutes pretty much talking about how nice Lars is and how great he is. Joyful so, smiles, man. Joyful smiles. That's Can I it. just transition us by pointing out the fact that there's a serrated spoon in the table? There is. Why are spoons serrated? Are you, like, trying to scratch And it's not It's not like a spork or anything. No. Like, it's really a serrated I mean, spoon. Look at this. It's microphone. <laughs> He's showing it to the microphone. <laughs> so, so they can see it through just the like internet. I don't know what that could be for. I feel like I want to absent or something. Italian ices. I'm telling you, it's to scrape the ice. If it gets more interesting, I'll make it a gallery photo. That, it could be with my cat. <laughs> <laughs> I drew a cat. Yes. <laughs> Microphone, look. Small <laughs> um, <All> accomplishments. <laughs> before we, we actually start the album review, why don't you guys tell us a little bit about how you came to pick the album we're doing today and, of course, what the album is and what the artist's what name is. What album are we doing? Oh, Run the Jewels 2 by Run the Jewels. And, and how did this album become your pick? So I tried to pitch a different album, and I got outvoted by everyone in the world. It was a, it was a long, arduous process. <laughs> Where I kind of gave in pretty easily, but I just was really trying to push my agenda. So there's an artist very close to my life in very many different ways, Miley Cyrus. And she made an album called Miley Cyrus and Her Dead Pets. And that was the name of the group. Oh, dear. And I tried to pitch that for today's album. I feel like it would have been very interesting to hear you guys' take on it. But I got completely out of Well, episode 95, Afterbirth Monkey brought us Prison by Katy Perry. After doing Katy Perry, I feel like Miley Cyrus. No. No? All right. Uh, I'm not comparing the artists. No, no. But perhaps perception. No. Completely different. Because. (laughs) Oh, okay. No, because Miley Cyrus. uh, Just to keep this thread going a little bit longer. Uh So, Katy Perry, great artist. I used to sing her all the time with my son. Uh, Miley Cyrus, amazing also. Uh, But Miley Cyrus self released her own album outside of the entire. Real world, like outside of a record label contract, completely. Okay. She self released it with uh, people from Flaming Lips. Yeah, with Wayne Coyne. Yeah, from, and from it was Lips. completely 
a wacko album. It was weird. It was great. You should listen to it in your own time. Um, but it's not even part of a record contract. She has a beautiful voice, just like Katy Perry does, but it's it's not about that. Interesting. I'm guessing uh, Future Money vetoed this. Everyone in the well, world To be fair, this. I, I, I tried to give it a listen, and I told James if I could get through, if I could listen through the entire album once... That wasn't your then, criteria. Uh, well, that's what my criteria is now. Uh, <laughs> I said if I could get through six tracks... He, he got to eight. Then I would consider it. Uh-huh. I got to eight. And vetoed it. And vetoed it. <laughs> and so you and Doug were both in favor of Run the Jewels, or just yes. you were? Well, yeah, it was, it was uh, mine and Doug's pick. Well, to be fair, it is always a lot more difficult when we have multiple guests at the same time, and yeah. we ask you all just just to meet up on the, completely with one album that you are wholeheartedly behind. And ironically enough, it is weird because you started this whole thing with "Hide the Kitchen Knives" I love by the Paper Just. Well, all of you, I didn't detect any kind of dissension whatsoever. Yeah, no, absolutely. To, not. to be fair, though, I mean, you don't have to always bring an album you love. We have. All- uh, people who brought albums just as a gag or because they have no effing sure, clue. They, then right. they still have to agree what to hate. Was That's Prism true. a gag? Uh, ish. Oh, like, it's a good album. <laughs> it, it's not a terrible album. They had album. some dissension despite that there were only two members. They yeah. still had some dissension. One, like one, one member, Mark, is in love with Katy Perry and then the, 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 his, his bandmate, um, Rachel, had kind of been flip-flopped on it. But we, I mean, we had a great discussion about it. Like politics. Like politics, yeah. yes. Oh. Nobody has a good politics. Yeah, it was discussion. about as heated, yeah. Yeah, it was. So who suggested Run the Jewels to? That would be me. And yeah, did you just go with it to go with it? Uh, no. Um, so no, we had we had days right. and days worth of... Uh, back and forth. Back and forth text message arguing about it. Yeah. Aw, that's sweet. For and, us. I, and I, yeah. For us. I hadn't really heard the album yet, which is really funny, because I probably know these artists longer than most people in my band. That's true. Absolutely. That is, I didn't I didn't know them until I had heard uh, one of the upcoming tracks that we're going to talk about um, off of this album. And so Run the Jewels, about a year ago. for those who don't know, is a super group of sorts with Killer Mike and LP, um, who have solo rap careers as well. I've heard Killer Mike before featured with Outkast and a bunch of other artists, and I've heard some of his originals as well. Um, which is funny, because when I recognized his voice listening to the album, I was like, why do I? Why do I know this guy? And then you mentioned right. Killer Mike. I was like, oh, well, then of course I know who it is. Um, and so I guess this is a good place to kind of transition us right into the first track, Jeopardy. Don't even transition. Just do. I, I will. Do. All right. He was. No try. Only do. <laughs> or something. Star Wars. Just do. <laughs> Which, just do. Just, just it, do it. I will. Just track do. one. It. Just do. Yeah. Thanks. Track one. Yeah. You're welcome. Jeopardy. Track you one. So this, this track starts with um, Killer Mike. I believe it's just Killer Mike. Pretty much yelling at the microphone. Um... He's going off on a tirade. Yeah, yeah. and and which kind of just goes right into the minimalistic beat work. Like it's a pretty even transition, I think. It doesn't feel like like A and B. It kind of just goes into it. I want to be careful with using the word minimalist, uh, okay. only because we have a tendency sometimes to overuse it. And Fair that's point. Just between three of us, uh, there is there is beat work, sure, and yeah. there are there are elements here that definitely repeat, um, but. In general, it, it's not minimalist. Okay. Minimalist is really, if you heard minimalist music, it is it is very few changes over very large swaths of time. So There's that, still an underlying pin. So then I'll rephrase, it's beat work with not a lot of other things going on. The beat is clearly the focus. Here. It's, it's a low-end drone at, on top of a pretty decent bass line, I would yeah. say. Actually, I was really enjoying that bass line. The reverb that was thrown on top of everything was also very enticing. It, it gave it... 
uh, not just like a rumble down in your chest kind of a feel, which I already enjoy out of bass. I love bass. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows I love bass. But it was also something that did a good job of just complimenting the vocals that step in. I really enjoy the vocals right from the onset. I like, after the tirade, of course, right. I like the pace style. I like the very direct and, and almost angry style of what's coming out. It's it's a, it's kind of refreshing to have it paired so well with just beat work. Well, all right, I'm just gonna just disagree on that only because the second the vocals start, there's a lot of there's a lot of goofy lyrics here that absolutely I think we're are already dipping into the realm of parody just because of the fact that it's it's using the old gangster rap tricks. I'm up at midnight. I'm dipping off in my nizzles. A gun and a metal pizipe, a nizife is to my rizite. I'm lurking serving on pussies who lack a purpose. I got them filled up with frizite like mizike is you all right. Oh, is you rizite, excuse me. <laughs> yeah, none of Z's. Yeah, no, oh, yeah. a lot of Z's. Um, so you want a guest on our album? <laughs> uh, that's all right. Yeah, I, okay. I can just read I'll it. Resign. Oh, okay, I'll resign. I've had some practice on this podcast, but I'm oh, still, okay. I'd, I'd rather not. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you can, but you can sort of ignore the content right away. You don't have to be focused on what he's actually saying. It's the inflection that was drawing me in from the get-go. Right, and it's absolutely parody because nowhere else in the album does he do that isite kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And he's right off the bat saying, this is ridiculous. Yeah. Like, like rappers yeah. who talk who like this. this are ridiculous. But now that leads me into why I was disagreeing with John. is because okay. I don't think it's completely 100% a pair. There's nothing ridiculous about the beat work. To no. me, it's pretty straightforward, and it, I would think, all right, you wish to be taken seriously. And if I wasn't hearing all those Zs, because of course when you're just hearing them, <laughs> you're, not, you're, not, you're not reading them. Later on, we read them, but sure. at first, I'm just hearing them. And I just think, like, that's a strange little split. But maybe that's at, the joke. No, you got to take it from from this point of view. The Zs actually mesh extremely well with the drone, with the reverb that's going on. The actual effect of what they're doing to one another is just putting them in sync. It's not the content. Ignore the content and look at the just the way the vocals play off the beat. It's it's solid. It's it's working great right from the get-go. I don't think they blend. I think they oppose, but that's okay. Yeah, we're allowed to disagree. We've done it before. Mm. No, it's okay that they oppose. Oh. We, we are not allowed to disagree. I will I will come out on it. <laughs> Let's go to our guests. So either way, by 30 seconds into the album, I was kind of like, oh, I'm going to enjoy this. It's going to be this type of album, where it's going to be some kind of angry hip-hop over interesting right. beats. And I'm assuming some of dense lyrical content with some kind of, you know... Alternative bit. Yeah, and it's it's interesting that in the introduction to the song, he's yelling about the production to start, and he wants the beat to start, and he wants you to get right into the album, and then it starts off kind of slow. Yeah. You expect kind of that big punch right at the beginning, and, and a, a quick song, maybe, maybe like an intro-type track. Like but, a hype track, almost. Right, but it's not at all. And everything about this track, and actually many other tracks on this album, are very, like... They're very pared down. I think that's a better word to use than just minimalist. Yeah. Yeah. Like they don't they don't douse you with energy right away, or even when they do, it seems also so gradual that you barely even notice. It's not right. bombarding you with anything. It's all well, tiny no, little is, changes. It is bombarding you with one thing, and that is the actual lyrical content. And that I want to be upfront with as well. There's it's solid. It's amazing how quick some of these words are coming out. I'm really liking the way that it's something I know I can hear and understand the words that are going to be said, mm-hmm. 
but it's it's just amazing trying to just follow along with him the first time. It, it it's solid, but I think it actually has the same exact the same effect as the music because even it it's not it's not as punchy as I've heard some other raps. Like it's not as accented. It's it's very smooth, and I think that's to its credit. So I will say something to keep in mind with this, the counterpoint between the lyrics and the music, especially in the first track when you have him yelling for production, mm-hmm. LP produces the entire album. There are a few other producers that do some tracks, but LP is by trade a producer and has been since, I don't know, like almost 20 years ago. Yeah, I, I know him from his production work. So that's why, where I fell in love with him. When I used to work with Mr. Liff and Def Ducks, like some yeah. great stuff. So hearing his voice through the beat is kind of nice. Well, and I would speak to the, the beat work as well. Specifically, I like what Alon mentioned earlier, the kind of slow buildup that really doesn't hit any really great heights until towards the end of the track. I mean, it pops a little bit in the chorus, but more or less, there's a slow build over the course of the entire track, and that kind of is what kind of hooked there's me. One element, me there's one element that is added, and this is a little before halfway through, you could say, and that becomes pretty constant for the remainder, and it's this oboe-sounding instrument. I actually thought it sounded like a punji, which is that like snake-charming instrument oh, yeah. that you find in like Middle East, Pakistan, India. It's, it's, it's a really, really cool effect, and I thought it was kind of muffled. I liked the way it was developed. It was... Uh, it was a little bit, I don't know, it felt like it blended back into being a synth. I wasn't even sure if it was a real instrument, but I really liked the way that was, it felt free. It felt like it wasn't looped. It was a very dynamic instrument, and it was probably my favorite part of the entire track. I was a little bit disappointed, though, when Verse 2 stepped in after after that hook and kind of got rid of it. That that was something that bothered me. The, the, the bulk of the build that had been leading up into that point was still there, and it was still enjoyable, but it left me wanting that. So when it does come back, I, I'm, I'm enjoying it again. It's something nice. It feels like it's the most fleshed out. It feels full. It feels fulfilled going from last week's podcast. I love that word, and I'm going to bring it up here. It feels like it's it's finally done and where it's supposed to be. So when it made that step back in verse 2, it was just a little bit disappointing. I, I didn't find that as disappointing. I thought it, that it, you could have used time for the instrument to, to breathe. You have a little bit of silence. You expect it, and it comes back, and it satiates you all over again. I think that's the nature of, of uh, I don't know, layers. Okay. I, no, <laughs> no, I, I, I agree. I, I feel like each rapper was given his own verse to shine, and in each case, they were given their own kind of buildup of and layering of instruments. And if it had stayed at the at the same level that it ended with at the end of Killer Mike's verse, then LP's entire verse would have gotten drowned out by it. Yeah. And so I, I like the the decision to kind of. Start not from the very beginning again, but maybe a half step higher from the beginning and then build up to even a half step higher than where the first verse ended. Okay, that's fair in terms of progression. Yeah, Um, I will definitely, yeah, I'll definitely give you credit for that. I want to harp on something you said off air, um, or, well, not harp (laughs) on it. I actually just want you to uh, expound on it a little Uh bit. You said something about this being a type of gangster rap that you are really not that familiar with. You feel like the backdrop and everything just is feels like it's stepping outside the gangster uh, rap well, comfort zone. I, not necessarily gangster rap, but the, the type of rap that is popular on the radio today. Okay. Which I don't know if you would classify as gangster rap. I don't really know the genres of rap that well, aside from financial gangster rap, which gangster? is, of course, what we do. Uh, <laughs> but I do feel like a lot of the 
production on this album and a lot of the fl- lyrical flow of this album does step outside of what is popular in rap today and that's one of the reasons why I'm attracted to this album. Like it's an alternative variety. Exactly. Okay. And it's so interesting. I mean, man, LP and Killer Mike doing an album together is just so weird because I I know them both from the early thousands. This is their second album together. I, yeah, but this Run the Jewels too. You would assume, but from the naming. But like, <laughs> you might know Killer Mike from like with like Bone Crusher and Ti doing Never Scared. Remember the song Never yeah, Scared? Sure. Like that's how I know Killer Mike. And then like that is totally different than how I know LP with his alternative hip hop stuff. And then hearing that cool, aggressive, more popular Southern style of hip hop yeah. with this very New York Upper East Upper East Coast kind of. Mm-hmm interesting production stuff but it's kind of a really cool I'll say juxtaposition you probably hear that word a lot on this podcast <laughs> yes <laughs> we, we do well, I think, but I think like that's what we like uh, what's interesting about supergroups not necessarily what we like about them because we've had some that we didn't like as much but the, the interesting thing about them at least is how they mix they mean the, either the mixing could be very obvious and like oh well this is exactly what i expect this to sound like and sometimes it's not sometimes it kind of creates something new i'm unfortunately not super familiar with their previous works so i can't gauge that here as much but based on what you're describing it sounds like what kind of came out of this is kind of a brand new thing from what they were doing on their own mm-hmm. at least a little well, uh, before we go on to track two, which it sounds like we're all uh, itch- itching to do, I-, I just have one more critique about this, but it- actually I will swing around it into a positive. I, <laughs> I found that the-, the lyrics here, especially once we got past those opening lyrics that I read with all the Z's where it's just kind of silly, it-, it-, it pretty much stabilizes very quickly. At that mm-hmm. point, I didn't find anything immediately parody about it, but once again, I'm listening, I'm not reading. So a lot of the, the lyrics, because they didn't feel like they were accented or, I guess, uh, highlighted, framed in such a way, because the the background uh, is so stable, I felt that a lot of lyrics were just kind of glossing over me. And I think that that is a little bit of a problem only because these are really, really beautiful lyrics. If I could just give a little sample of what LP does in verse 2. I never been much of shit. By most measurements don't exist on the radar a little blip in the shadow of motherships. Been smothered and brashly muffled by hucksters of global spin like the sign on my back says stab me, my soul is your little bitch. It's it's really really good writing. Awesome I just writing. didn't hear yeah. it at the time, and maybe that's my fault. We'll see. No, Isn't that kind of cool. No. I mean, like if you get stabbed by a really beautiful knife, you can still appreciate the knife later. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's a fair what, point. what if you get or, stabbed by a serrated spoon? Yeah, Why is there serration on a spoon? Okay. <laughs> um, one very thing perplexed. To, one thing to talk about before we go to track two is th- the way the track kind of ends. The fact that it has the slow burn build up, and it does build up towards the end, and then kind of just buzzes in the outro. There's just kind of like a, uh, a kind of a weird effect, or like a mic left too close to a speaker kind of a sound, right. and that's just pretty much how the track ends. And then we go into track two. Oh my darling, don't cry. Which then, with a little bit of beat work, we get a robot intro? I thought mark? it sounded like children that were edited and spliced. No, like the minions. Really short. The, the minions. minions. The they minions. And that okay. tore my mind immediately. We have a parent here. They, they don't speak really? words, yeah. really? Come on. Yeah. They're the most annoying things of all time. <laughs> yeah. uh, the, minions. the minions. I'm not a big minions fan. I do like the, the main characters in Pickle Me, but the minions, I'm not a big fan. That's why I just went Is to that creepy children. <laughs> I mean, what are the minions <laughs> but bad. creepy children? I, I thought it was a robot. Yeah, <laughs> I confess I liked it. I liked too. it in the beginning. It was Are you unique. Talking about the the beat work, the where where it's saying the word darling. Oh, was that what? Yeah, you're thinking of. Are we all realize. Are you thinking yes, of yes. darling, or are you thinking so of he, when so it Steve's speaking says, to the darling, where where the actual too. beat work, and I was speaking to the actual robot introducing Run the Jewels. Well, that's what I thought line. was the same thing. No, no they're different. 
they are different. There's a titular line that goes over the singing that you're thinking of. That is a robot saying, "You are now listening to Run the Jewels." Okay, it was so we're very like three brief. against two in terms of like what we, we thought was a thing. Yeah, interesting. They're yeah. both things though. Yeah, they're they, they are they both, both things. Happened. They did. I just both didn't know happen. which one you were referencing. Yeah. Gotcha. His well, when he said the robotic, I thought it sounded very robotic. It, it did. Like, well, it sounded it, very childlike yeah. and robotic. Process. Yeah, it's yeah. very processed. Because the, the sample kind of vocally stutters, and so that you know, when exactly. you have a voice stuttering, it feels very robotic, especially old school like sci-fi robots. Um, oh. But I thought this song had a little more energy than the previous track, but it's still not very, you know, in your face. It's not, you know, and then the beat work also is mostly just pretty straightforward. There's not a lot of little, you know, differences or, or highlights. It's it's still kind of sticking to what it started with. It Even in the hook, when the hook steps in, it's it's mm, it didn't grab me and it was weird because that's what's supposed to grab you and it was kind of just cruising along that right. that threw me for a loop it was a lot of the same yeah. up until that point right. and it that that lack of really like in-depth enticing that i got in the first track just hearing something that was nice and different and introductory and i was really digging the vocal mesh up here, it just wasn't speaking to me the same way. Well, it's like they, they made that opening soundbite, the opening sample. It, it became the driving component of the song. And yeah. shortly after I, I got over, like, that's a, that's an interesting little thing they introduced. I, I did get a little bit over it. I wondered where that was going to cross into the barrier of, like, mm, has this turned annoying yet? I didn't, like, wholeheartedly dub it that, but I, I had a harder time accepting it, like, two-thirds of the way through. I mean, I sing along to it while I'm hearing, like, I sing along to that part, mm-hmm. and I... I do it again for another one later, but like that kind of thing, it's a repeating thing, but I only do it while it's in between important parts of the lyrical content. So it comes back in. I'm not sure if anything else drops out besides the words, but I feel like it gets represented in between the main major lyrical content. With words as a baseline, yeah. you hear, I just sing along to it, which seems crazy. No, that's 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 a different perception. I mean, as long as it, it grabs some people, I, it, I I I wanted to like it. I really did. I I wasn't sure. It's one of my favorite songs on the album. Mm. Like it, yeah. it brings me in. Track two is always one of those songs for me for albums. Well, around verse six, there's a big change. Six. Yeah, yeah. Six. They're numbered. They're, they're, they're numbered on my. So it's around. Sheet. It's around two minutes and thirty seconds. The beat takes this kind of hard change. With not a lot of lead up, it kind of just shifts on a dime. It, which is it shifts. It shifts only by getting more chaotic. Yeah. it's not like a flat out sectional shift. It just gets more chaotic. It doesn't. It doesn't feel as natural. Like all of these different components that are entering, they feel sporadic and and uh, well, maybe natural would be the word. Actually, they don't feel as organized. They feel more organic because they just they were spontaneous. They came out of nowhere. But, but it, it's also it's clutter in a way. I like this clutter though. It's it's harsh. It's metallic. It's almost like you've got just pieces of metal scatting for the track itself. I did feel more energized. And it yeah. was it was a lot more on top of of that actual repetitive beat. And it was repetitive for me cuz at this point it does take a big turn for me and all of a sudden I'm enjoying it. It was it was weird cuz it was like a switch. Yeah, I'm there. I'm enjoying of, it. I'm doing it. That's part of the jarring it. nature of that ch- switch, right? You're kind of a little bit you're with, that, with the bass, you're yeah. kind, it's kind of like a drone where you're just kind of like getting Going, lost yeah. in the in the bass beat, and then boom, that that jarring switch happens, and you're like, whoa. And then this oh, song this, has a yeah yeah, and you have a bunch of lyrics really cool. that really sit out in this this actual song. Like the first one, you said there were, oh there are a lot of great lyrics, I couldn't hear them, and I think in this one there's a lot of lyrics you actually hear. And you, yeah, it was the other way around. I the for all the music not really doing it for me until that moment. 
the words like I, I I like the pacing of the first track, but this one the words, the actual pronunciation and getting them out was mm-hmm. was very enjoyable, and I could still hear them fairly clear cut. It wasn't first listen. I'm getting everything, but I was getting enough tidbits to really follow along. And it happened with me for two different reasons because it happened early, from the very beginning of the song. I could you know pick out the lyrics because it's a little bit more this is a little more accented it's a little bit more violent um fuck the law they can eat my dick that's word to pimp hold up you are now listening to run the jewels too fuck the law they can eat my dick that's word to pimp i don't fuck with or talk like all these fucking imps style violent give a fuck if you deny it kids you can all run naked backwards through a field of dicks fuck the world don't ask me for shit that's word to big uh i dreamt we owned the world but i haven't woken up and it don't exist soak it in i need no assist you can't slap my wrist i don't owe you shit I appreciate that That's we have two verse. professional it, it rappers in the that. room and that Steve I keeps think, I've the got lyrics. the lyrics, I think I'm sorry. this should just be a podcast in itself. Just Steve reading Steve the Steve reads rap lyrics. In a really auto-tune? cold academic sense? No, yes. auto-tune. That's yeah, all right. we need. That's Word true. <laughs> Fine, then we can hire you to do our next outtakes episode. All right. All right. <laughs> you, you remix me. Verbal um, contract. <laughs> but here's the reason why I say two, two ways. Because in one hand, I feel like that grabs me because... Uh, it's almost like shang- uh, dangling something shiny. Like yeah. it's, it's it seem you got a perception of oh, Larry, he's got a chip in his shoulder. It's a little bit more violent. But then when we cut to the part that actually is a lot more intense, the part the part where we all uh, noted this this big shift, uh, where it's more chaotic. Verse six, Killer Mike comes in, handle me wrong, I'm snapping. Show up at your class, what's happening? Schoolyard <laughs> bully with fully automatic, heart full of pain and a head full of havoc. Everybody stepped on the kid and I'm letting them have it. Havoc, leaving their mommy to say what happened. Who gonna buy baby a casket? Fuck that bitch, I'm a bastard. Now this. Isn't it like? Isn't that better writing than the first verse fundamentally? Like, yeah. just the wordplay is so much more clever than just the shoving it in your face that I got in the first verse. Well, that's just also, my perception. Sure, but he it's, didn't say imps. Okay, we'll get. <laughs> All right, fine. But he also he didn't. What's draw, that worth? Like ten points, twenty, yeah. hundred? It's worth a couple of points. No, but it's a good. It's a good point. It shows a progression to the track. The fact that they start with something a little more just juvenilely aggressive right. and then this one clearly there's he's he's obviously speaking to a problem in this country you know and and from the perspective of the person who's doing it and the damage that's in in that kind of a situation and i think it's a more intellectual way of still being really violent and 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 presenting that violence in a way like this is not okay yeah, like this is a bad thing well it's one f bomb versus a couple dozen f bombs in the first one it also shows a little more I, 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 I don't know if I really want to use this word, but it's premeditated in a lot of ways that it, it progresses. And it's not just verse 1 to verse 6. As we go through the verses, they get more coherent and more adult in many ways, mm-hmm. more it's, focused on working yeah. with this wordplay. So you're, they, they bring you in with the shiny thing he was talking about. It's like, boom, first... slap to the face. And yeah. then as you get into it, it's, yeah, a little more serious, a little more serious, a little more grounded. Who going to buy my baby a casket? Fuck that bitch. I'm a bastard. I mean, that has weight to it, Yeah, you know, beyond just the little wordplay. And, you know, it's funny because, you know, I did get a sense of, so, you know, I mean, everyone who listens to this show and, of course, my co-hosts know that I listen to a lot of indie rap, but a lot of it had been more towards nerdcore. There were some indie rappers outside of nerdcore, like Spose, who's kind of nerdcore adjacent that I listened to. Mm -hmm. So, you know, some of them, a lot of them do have curse words, but it's not like curse word after curse word after curse word. Especially if you're listening to MC Lars, who we've mentioned earlier, or MC Farnalot, they tend to keep it pretty clean. So this was kind of an eye-opener, not like I'm prudish, but more just, I'm not used to this. Oh, this gets 
my attention. It's the, again the shiny dangling thing. Like this. Oh, here's here's something that I'm not used to hearing. I, I still think this was an element uh, that we had an interesting discussion on off air, and it was I guess uh, the approach to to subtlety if it's if it's there. I I think that a lot of these things can be very subtle if you're not looking at the parts that, for instance, are just flat out uh, towing the line of right. this over-the-top gangster rap style, or you're throwing in disease, you're throwing in all these kind of non-words. Um, but there are little moments here where I, I feel him doing something a little bit clever. I feel him, the, the parody is coming out, but sometimes I don't always get it right away, and I still feel it needs to be read. Like earlier in verse 4, I fuck the rap, I tote the strap, I smoke the cush, I beat the puss. I read the books, did the math, don't need a preacher preaching on my behalf. No teacher can teach my arrogant ass. I'm blowing on crippy while reading inscriptions. That's written by Egyptians and sipping on whiskey. I baby, you with me. It's just, it's just... It's tough. I, I know, I'm, I'm really, like, like stretching myself a little no, bit. No, I mean, the rappers yeah. are enjoying you it rapping. It used to be so. my job. I'm so happy it's I not my job anymore. Very much. <laughs> You're a convoy I don't want that. This is great. <laughs> I turn the spotlight off now and talk about that verse, because it's interesting, because the second he goes to a line, like, you know, I spoke... I, it's really great wordplay, but then when he throws in the line, like, I beat the puss, and then I read the books, did the man... Like, it's, it's almost all over the place, and I don't know exactly what's... What's his? What his angle is? It's a progression in life. So you do those things. Like if you, you're with people. You have love. Yes. You read. You learn and, and, things. And you beat the post. That's you, love. Sure. <laughs> I, it, it, is it that? Is that the way he means? I don't know. I mean, what else could that mean? Well, he doesn't mean beat like domestic abuse. It's not yeah. yeah. That's what, or like skinning cats or something. Yeah, I don't think. Okay, that's, maybe. That's not what he's referencing there. Yeah. It, I it, feel it, like it's... I've listened to other gangster rap songs where that was easily the case. So. Oh no, that's just a sexual just, reference. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's just sexual. All right. All right. I could be wrong. I think I you think because you are you clearly am. <laughs> I think while talking about the lyrics, though, this is a good transition point to track three because I feel like while this song had a progression as far as lyrics getting, you know, kind <laughs> of starting off a little more childish and then getting more succinct and very much pr- progressing, Blockbuster Night Part One, which is track three, this song kind of is just a very braggy all attitude song that feels a little more like a regression again. Like we, we take a step back, not necessarily in the album progression, but just in this moment, because it kind of slinks and slumps a bit where like the last track was kind of more in your face. This feels like it's in your face, but in a different way. 90% I agree. Um, except for one little thing, like as as it begins, I was almost just as kind of like yeah, I don't know. It's it's right. it's the same basic stuff. Uh, it's sort of an, yeah. an industrial synth. It's pared down. Mm-hmm. Uh, just the thumping in the beginning. You get the uh, six thumps on an E flat, and then two uh, thumps on an E, and this is all just these straight up eighth notes here. Um, but just that little half step shift makes it feel just a little bit uncomfortable. This mm-hmm. is again that that almost minimalist, even though I don't want to qu- commit to that word thing that I, I talked about at the beginning. But then after about 12 seconds here, when the vocals step in, then it added something to this backdrop that I really, really liked, and I thought it was a tasteful de- development. They didn't ditch the previous thing, they just developed it. They added a little rhythmic change, a little skip, turning each thump into a triplet, and then playing on the three and the one. So this like one, three, one, three, one, three, one, three, one, and that kind of came the gallop of this entire song. I love that little swing shift. It made me like it a little more, perhaps, than the last track. I don't know. But that doesn't stick around. There is a, a, a straight-up revert to the original sound about halfway through that it just undergoes the same process. It's, it's true. It, it, like, once that shift happens, there's not much more to it to follow. Well, there are a couple of little things, and one is the cutoffs. I like the way that there's just these abrupt cutoffs in the music. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe you get a beat or two thrown in there. Sometimes it's just silence with just vocals. I like these like abrupt little, like, oh, look. Just yeah. the highlight words here and there. That's something that it's sort of like a faux inflection on the vocals that yeah. I'm really enjoying with this. Um, 
but I mean, just rhythm. Even even I, honestly, I was so kind of just hypnotized a little by the rhythm that I wasn't listening to the lyrics as much at all in in this particular track. Um, but it out of the rhythm made me feel like I was listening to Pink Elephants or something. Like Pink Elephants. That whole swing thing. I don't know. I felt like I feel like this is more of a dancey song. Yeah. Like if it's got that. Yeah, it's got that rhythm. Like this one, you can you could easily here in the clubs more than any of the other tracks that we've heard so far I think Triple Meter always does it yeah exactly but it's a short track that bridges you know two bigger tracks and there's some one of my favorite lyrics are in here I mean there are more childish lyrics but it calls itself out for being childish yeah. inside the lyrics where it's being childish yeah there's some some of the funniest lyrics of the of the album are in this punches thrown until you're frontless come on that's fantastic yeah. Well, yeah, and the, the, this idea of you know be, oh. beating somebody until they are without aggression. I'm guess. passing around the lyric sheet here. I don't want to be the only guy. Oh, that's fine. Not liking the oh, spotlight yeah. thing here. I'm particularly fond of yes. verse five's opening. This run the jewels is murder mayhem melodic music. I just that's just yeah, really alliteration. good alliteration right there. Psychotics you, use it to lose it. Junkies simply abuse it. I, I it, it's a lot of solid rhymes that are right. within rhymes. It's right. it's like double schemes going on. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I love that, and I love towards the end when um, they play around with the actual structures of words, and they use the a lot of um, words that end with ed, but they say things like uh, explained and deranged just to make them kind of like overemphasizing overemphasizing those things to make them all rhyme together and and I love I love that I like it's that not a idea. device though I only want to be a little like harsh like is that a th- bad thing? that's usually some uh, sometimes it is and sometimes it isn't for I mean, the me. word that they like, used was deranged I mean like that's the word they chose to mess up was pur- purposely taking like words that have the same suffix just to mess them up. So as long as it's, I guess, the same, then Well, I'm saying it's both valid. words had the same, like, same ED. suffix. They both had the ED yeah, on it. Right. But the second one is the word deranged. So they're actually using the structure of the word, the, the meaning of the word, to help affect the structure of the word. Okay. All right, and I that's find fair. that fun. It's, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's playful. Kind of kooky and that. great. Here's the actual lines. But you're like, mellow up, man, just relax. It's really not that complicated. Well, pardon me, I guess I'm just insane as you explained it. Or maybe sanctifying the sadistic is deranged. Right. Like that, that starts, extra emph- emphasis that they throw on the wrong that syllable even, that, that they're doing all this stuff. That starts even <laughs> earlier in the verse um, when he says, Any cow that is sacred will get defaced. Like any tyrant murderer gets replaced. Face it. The fellows at the top are likely rapists. And then what you said. Yeah, That's fantastic. It's, it's really so it, it, it well. Here's continues. the thing: when you're a rap group like this, where you have very strong lyrical content, and you know you have the skill set to pretty much take any words from a dictionary and put them together, you can do stuff like this, and it's okay. And it's actually kind of fun that you do it. If you don't know how to, if you just, it's like just throwing you know a curse word at the end of every single line because it's going to rhyme. That's not fun. But right, when you right. actually affect lyrics, and you can actually use any words you want. It's a fun device. Negative word you used. To use. Well, yeah. Actually, yeah, I've, I've complained about that before when they when, when a band will rhyme a word with the exact same word, like like lose and lose. That like was, literally the word. Yeah, that absolutely. was Limp Bizkit's go-to. There you go. <laughs> Don't mess with Limp Bizkit. Does anyone uh, have like a, like some, some theme theories like at this point in the game as we get into I mean, you know, track I, three, four? I, I don't know that I have one yet. I think that there are definitely two rappers who have a chip on their shoulder and are definitely approaching stuff that is in the media and I think also about rap a bit but 
I think at this point, I don't have a clear picture of where the focus is. It seems a little scattered. I'm just sometimes wary of like the the, the chip on your shoulder generalization. No, which sure. is more of like a genre definition than an, I will an say artist here, or a song definition. I will say like, here that James made a good point though that to kind of cut you off with an actual answer for you. Thank you. Um, was that you know James mentioned though that like or you brought up. In the, in the previous track that it did kind of flow from kind of juvenile to more mature. Even here, too, James is right. Like, the song, even though it sounds juvenile on the surface, when you when you read those lyrics, like, I think they're also taking jabs at the people who actually do those terrible things, and they're using these kind of juvenile lyrics to attack that. And I think that's kind of interesting. Also, I think there's kind of a... It's not just a chip on their shoulder. It's a defensive pulpit kind of, like, trying to bring attention to a thing, but not necessarily sacrificing flow or rhyme scheme to do so. Which is interesting. And they've been doing good, like, good stuff for over a decade, easily 15 right. years or so. Like, they've been also, a long time. it's kind of fun to write angry lyrics. Oh, it is. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it. I imagine... Um, well, whether or not, you know, it's coming from, from a real place for them or not, it's it's just... Always kind of fun. To, Stronger, to, I mean, maybe because traditionally, I guess this genre permits it more so than just about any other genre out there. You right. just want to sure. tap into it. This and metal, I would you. say, are the angriest genres, probably. And it's yeah, I'm sure it's very easy. And you to can tap into say more, I guess, in in a rap song than you really can. Well, in a for metal sure, song, per, per second. Yeah, I mean, sure. especially depending on spit speed. Um, spit speed. Spit speed. Spit speed. Yeah. Yes, that's a I know things. Term? That's yeah, a technical, technical term. term. Right. Um, Coined right here in the correct words. Right. Yeah. Oh. Um, I think I've heard it somewhere else before. I won't take credit sure. for that. Uh, from, probably from me. I, I think we'll uh, <laughs> we'll go from here to track four, though. Sure. Which we get our first featured artist for the record, which is a name that most people at the table are familiar with. That's, uh, the song is called Close Your Eyes and Count to Fuck, which I think is a great title name. It's parentheses. Just, that's not parentheses. a number. Parentheses. Yeah, it's not a number. Very good point. And I it's, wonder how long they were counting. <laughs> and it's, and it's featuring Zach De La Roca, of course, uh, of Rage Against the Machine fame and lesser known solo career fame, which, I mean... Like growing up, that was like the crossover for me for rock and rap sure, was Rage yeah. Against the Machine. Absolutely, and so known fame. It's it's so I'm gonna take some jabs. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I have to. I was pretty bitter when he left the band. True, but um, but but it's cool to hear him because the thing that's interesting is from the moment the song starts, there's a sample. The song kind of is the first song to really kind of have a melody within the beat. All and the, it's, yeah, the complication. Uh, is but the melody higher. is vocals, and it is Zach De La Roca, and it's his vocals remix. Right. for the rhythm slash beat and I think that's that's kind of a really interesting thing whereas before we had had that a little bit in Oh My Darling here it's really the structure of the song and I always kind of love when you take something that's clearly not music per se and make it music that well, always fascinates me isn't it more I, ironic though that being Zach's voice to do this considering he's featured on the song yeah no because oh. of his Rage Against the Machine roots and they were kind of anti any kind of digital like oh that's true yeah. Yeah. yeah that's actually I, I hadn't thought of that but wow. that's actually a good point well, well that's, this is actually that's, that speaks more to I guess my feelings on it because I, I might come in here as one of the few people who didn't really like this track I, I didn't think it was as engaging to my ears I thought that it was it was a Interesting sample, the running, 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 run, you know, run it does that. Run the jewels fast. Run the jewels fast. This is more like that, that sound bite we got back in, like, track two, the, the kind of baby sounding. Yeah, that's what I like a lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, as long as we're consistent, that's all we're seeking here. Um, this but, uh, is actually the track that um, got me into <laughs> Run the Jewels to begin with. And interesting. And what made me want to listen to the entire album actually, about this, a year ago when I heard it. Yeah, this was one of the most interesting things, and on the vocal 
vocal level and on the writing level, there was some little gems. And one that stuck out to me <laughs> was just amazing. In the second verse, I'm a clip wig synonym living within distortion. There is a mid-word rhyming scheme Love with it. those eyes, uh-huh. those is sounds that are just, it's phenomenal they were able to write that. I will say, though, in Steve's defense, I agree about the lyrics, but in Steve's... Well, thank you. I figured I'd throw that in there, too. But in Steve's defense, I can see, even though I I love the vocal melody sample, I can understand how, if you don't like it, this track could get pretty repetitive quick because it's persistent and constant. And so while I don't agree with you, I understand your feeling because it is persistent to the point of almost ubiquity, because it's just always it's there. It's actually yeah, the only place I really, really would use the word minimalist. I yeah. mean, this is the kind of thing that it's Steve Reich thing. used to do back in like the 1960s. Uh, it's, it's, I, I understand it's, it's, it's a, it's, it's a go-to tactic, you know. And as long as that one little sample is successful, then maybe you can bank on it for the duration. But to me, this was the one where I had to say it. it did certifiably get annoying to me by about halfway through, let alone the whole song. And I wasn't, I didn't quite say that uh, for track two. Still stuck in my head. Like, yeah. seriously. Yeah. Once hard. you started singing the melody, yeah. the melody hook. I've I mean, been singing this, like, I, I was forced to listen to this song again <laughs> and again for this because it's what you do, it's homework. But since I started listening to this album, since I heard track four, I've not stopped having it stuck in my head for yeah. days. Well, we talk about that a lot. There's, a, there's several songs off many albums that we've tanked because they just weren't really well made, but that the song still, you mention one line and it's stuck in your head. Run and the so, jewels fast, when they run the jewels fast. I will say that the, the interesting thing <laughs> from a, an album shifting can't. point here is that this was the most higher energy track we've gotten so far. A lot of the others, even though there were higher energy moments, more or less they were pretty straightforward. They kind of grooved, but they didn't really take a high energy. This, mm-hmm. I mean, of course, if you have Zach De La Roca on a song, whereas most Rage songs were high energy, this, of course, is going to be high energy energy and I like also the dichotomy of both LP and Killer Mike have fairly deeper voices whereas Zach tends to go a little higher right. and so that was a nice cool thing and and the even three verses it's just it was very different and interesting styles LP and Killer Mike already have different flows that when you bring Zach in which is a very familiar flow to anyone who wasn't under a rock it, it really changed the dynamics of the song and I think that's how I stayed engaged Steve is I like the melody that could have been repetitive but you know just the same I think that this song kind of has the strongest kind of uh, you know substance to it and I think it's also obviously if you're going to have Zach on a track it's going to be political yeah. too I also want to stop calling it a melody it's a sample it's well a sample sample. may may the run the jewels fit but I don't know it's a sample <laughs> Well, this it felt melodic a little bit, I guess. This this simple track did allow a lot of the lyrics to shine through. I did enjoy that, and I love how, while the build is not in the music, the build is in the emotions that are coming out. Even if the inflection isn't really changing, the the themes of what's going on, what's being said, is getting more specific and more heated. Especially by verse four, my solitary conditions preventing conjugal visits, though mainly missing my misses, they keeping me from my children. Conditions create a villain, the villain is given a vision. Vision becomes a vow to seek vengeance on all the vicious. Liars and politicians, profiteers of the prisons, forehead engravers, enslavers of men and women, including members of the clergy that rule you through religion, he'll strip your kids to the nude and tell them God will forgive them. Like, that's that's very specific, that's very topical, and that's incredibly well written. Yeah. Like, I, I, I love that, that's 
compositional work right there. This track is teeming with it. I, I, I admit um, that it's it's solid throughout. I, I, I just wish my focus was a little more shifted. You had to expect political commentary on a track with Zach De La Roca, right? Fair enough. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's kind of his shtick. Um, I think, though, that also the, the thing about this track is it moves. I mean, barring the grating repetitiveness of the sample, it does move pretty quick. It, you know, a lot of the songs on this album don't over really really overstay their welcome anywhere between two to f- three and a half minutes you know they're not super long and i mean the outro to this track too is pretty quick like it just kind of stops more or less on a dime it, there's no long fade out or they don't drag out the beat so at least once the singing and the message is done they kind of end the track and move on i, I gotta say though while we're kind of circling around and and, and highlighting really great lyrics I, I do believe there are there's a solid theme being approached here at least in this particular track i mean this is a 2014 album there's a lot of stuff going on back in 2014 there still is yeah. but back then it was like ooh, everywhere in the media and and just to take this verse from killer mike uh is actually the first verse Fashion slave, you protesting to get in a fucking lookbook? Everything I scribbles like an antichrist's cookbook. Look good, posing in the centerfold of a crookbook. Black on black on black with the ski mask, that is my crook look. How you like my stylin', bruh? Ain't nobody smiling, bruh? About to turn this motherfucking up like a motherfucker up like a Rikers Island, bruh. <laughs> where my thuggers and where my crippers and my blooders and my brothers? When you niggers gonna unite and kill the police motherfuckers and take over a jail, give them CO's hell, the burning of the sulfur, goddamn I love the smell. Hmm. Now get to pillow torchin', where the fuck the warden, and when you find him, we don't kill him, we just waterboard him. Hmm. We killin' them for freedom because they tortured us for boredom and even if some good ones die fuck it the lord will sort them yeah it's just that's verse one yeah (laughs) i don't want to like pussyfoot around the topic no yeah yeah. i was i love that's my favorite one of my favorite parts of the whole album is this whole part right there yeah um one correction was the anarchist cookbook which yes for me i think is the antichrist cookbook i yeah which is fine but the anarchist cookbook was like they're around like our age group a little bit higher you know around there like they were reading that when they were growing up as part mm-hmm. of that informed them as as a youth i know i read that damn thing front to back i don't know how many times before i blew my fingers I, off. I did it a couple of times but then i stopped <laughs> because i realized that area i could go into and it seemed like a bad <laughs> idea at the moment yeah yes and, yeah huh. it's uh, some uh rare restraint shown by john I, it Re- yeah, I was gonna say, <laughs> but John there was would explosives go for involved, and I was probably about ten. Uh, yeah, yeah. Right. Not, not a bottle box. Yeah. But <laughs> to be fair, here, here's the thing. I was wondering because of the case of of parody that we said in the beginning. I mean, this seems very direct. When you wonder, are they going back and forth between parody I mean, and you, having a point? But I would still see some of this in par- as parody. Like just the line, "When you niggers gonna unite and kill the police, motherfuckers." It usually is not that on point. I mean, I think that this idea... That, that seems like an overblown yeah, but reaction. No, but it was the Blooders, like, and it was a Crip and Blood reference. Like, they, should, they should be standing together against the one actual enemy, the police. This is all post-Occupy Wall Street. This is 2013-14 to write these lyrics. Yeah, well, yeah. But it's, it's at the height of it, in well, fact. So, so, I, so, I mean, but like, that was, it was about literally the uniting of the Bloods and the Crips. That's been always talked about for, like, you know, decades, you know, about when they come together against an actual cause. I know. I under- Instead of killing each other, killing the police. I understand that. The only reason I sometimes take it as parody is because I see, like, just certain phrasings of lines, and it's like, you know that it is designed to, I guess, get the other side, like, kind of riling, being like, well, is this going to be a back-and-forth thing? And when you look at 2014, it was so heated in terms of everyone's well, I- approach that I wonder whether this was, like, intended to be a parody of that kind of reaction like that incites no. other reactions. It doesn't reactions. sound like a parody at this all. This time I'm... 
Dog this is sincere, yeah. Even from the early stuff? Yeah, oh. I agree. No, the early, when you said it was a parody before, it was parodying other people's styles, not their yeah. own. Yeah, yeah. Even if some good ones die, fuck it, the Lord will sort That's a good concept. It's like, how about this? You have an actual movement, you're going to make change. You might create some problems along the way, but if good happens in the end, that's okay. In real life, that works. It's not a literal translation. That's tough. But, but well, that no, that's just the thing. If it's not literal, then there is some element of parody. Of, maybe mean, parody is a light word. Like parody dismisses the entire the point. And I don't believe his 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 you know his point is the opposite. So I guess parody is completely the wrong word. I don't. But think I do he's believe trying there's... to tell people to murder people. Maybe yeah. satire is a better Sat- word. I don't think satire, satire works either. I, I think just... satire is a lot closer. Okay, then parody, yes. I mean, I th- I think what it is is, and you were addressing earlier, can they do this? and be serious as well I think yes I think that plenty of artists both take tongue-in-cheek approaches at serious things and then also have a serious point to make and it's not super foreign for that to be here um, I think also as we progress through the album uh, uh, other songs become right, more we'll, apparent we'll see as we go um, alright anyone got anything they want to say about this track I think we are ready to move on to track 5 All My Life alright so, so All My Life starts with this kind of hymn intro, which is interesting. I mean, it's very soulful. It, it doesn't last long before the rapping kind of comes in, but it does have this kind of soulful focus that's the first kind of poignant emotional moment just based out of non-lyrics. Well, not I, necessarily no no vocals at all, because the hymn is being sung. This, the synth itself um, was less of like a non-entity to me. I guess for the first time it did really make me feel something here. These computerized tones that introduced along with it this, this funky strut that I really kind of dug. It's like it's like uh, someone was on a keyboard and they were just using these little these little one-offs, these little pop-offs where they hold down a key in the synth and then they they switch so fast to the next note that you might as well be digesting like a harmonized uh, simultaneous moment. I really really liked that about the song and I think it was probably the most musical emotional moment that I had yet experienced. Which is weird because at the end of the day, it felt like they were just taking a MIDI and making it a forefront instrument for the track. Which I guess we really haven't gotten a forefront in a lot. Probably of music. not since the first track yeah. and that uh, that that oboe sounding thing. And MIDI <laughs> is oboe a, sounding thing. The a, technical fine. Term. The punji, which is probably not that. So I think I was on the safer side. Thank you. Um, but, safer. But yeah, the drum. <laughs> the, safer. This MIDI idea, though, is something that I want to point out now becomes like a major theme in a lot of the further songs. Like this is the first time they're really introducing it, but this tone shows up a lot and I'm kind of surprised that in hindsight looking at it it's track five it's coming in why wasn't it introduced earlier and maybe a I, different producer brought it in possibly that actually might that's Could probably be. a really good point actually there's like well, three major well at least this LP across the entire time and some other ones come in and out through different tracks well that's true but I think John's point is just in the, in the final cut and the organization of the tracks why there wasn't something you know introduced a little bit earlier which in this case maybe if that's not your intention because you clearly liked some of the last tracks better than I did you're hmm. preaching to the choir here because I absolutely feel that that's been the thing missing between track one and five hmm yeah, you can disagree. I, no, no, no. I don't. I don't disagree. I actually, uh, in my notes, I actually wrote down that I feel that this is the weakest song so far. Curious. Okay. I mean, I could see that. I mean, for the, for sure, the hymn style seemed a little strange considering everything else. But then again, also they've kind of jumped around a bit, so I'm not super against it. I would say that definitely, the the way they flowed the lyrics here seemed to impact me less 
especially coming from Close Your Eyes and Count to Fuck, because I, I mean, I enjoyed that track. But I guess it's also a dichotomy just based on where you're finding your enjoyment or what's grabbing you. I mean, I guess it speaks right. that I clearly am, am, I've been missing certain things in the music. And I find yeah. that maybe even if you could say, like, all right, the lyrics have been pretty stellar up to now. This is satiating me in a way that I just haven't been on this album. I thought the hook, for instance, here was the most beautiful hook that we've had yet. I mm. thought it was absolutely gorgeous. These smooth vocal harmonies stepping in. There's been no harmonizing, there's been no choir, there's been no anything like that, which I guess, you know, for some people listening to gangster rap would be like, well, I don't really expect that. But to me, that's what I'm looking for. And so when it was when it was given, I was like, yeah, more, please. Thank you. I thought just that the song felt a little bit more like an interlude because of the short track length <laughs> and kind of the, the long outro at the end of it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, but I did absolutely enjoy Only the because, long outro. Yes, I thought yes, it was okay. amazing. Thank you. That was the best. I was about to bring up, but yeah. the the shorter nature of the track and kind of the nonsensical nature of the lyrics, I wasn't getting impact on the word by word play. The word play itself too. was good, yeah. but it wasn't really like saying anything important. And I'm already like waiting for something important to be said. Well, I mean, cons- even the hook, which I which I like, it's 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 gorgeous. But still, it's and I've been this way shortly all my life, and I've been this way, bitch, all my life, and I've been this way, short. Oh, not shortly, shorty, because of course you know rap, shorty, all my life, and I've been this way, <laughs> bitch. Uh, I, yeah, right. It, it, it's not. It's not. <laughs> not reaching I mean, out to me except for the music in question which is uh, sort of ineffable I mean I feel like after a track like the previous you kind of have to take it in a more maybe obscure way just because it can get pretty heavy if you hammer that every track and maybe that was the goal here maybe they wanted some fairly nonsensical lyrics and some tenderness so, some tenderness well yeah just to kind of break the there was a lot of aggression in the previous couple tracks and so they wanted to kind of break that up a bit I think right, right. which is where I can see Alon's interlude point coming in like this because of the short length and the different tone maybe it is forming to separate the album a little bit which yeah. I mean it's not a terrible thing either but but then we get the outro which was that, that final hook in the outro was just it was phenomenal it oh, was actually, really musically it was phenomenal yeah. it, it was I also liked uh, there was a breakdown in here where everything kind Kind of just snuffed out, uh, and you're left with this like little chasm full of feedback. Just yeah. this, it's around the two minute mark, and it was again a musical moment I really, really liked, which felt like the first really intense breather on on the album. Because most of these songs have a tendency just to flow so cleanly between one section and the next, like what I said at the very beginning of the album, how everything is just so smooth. There's not a lot of um, there's not a lot of moments, it seems. You can generally say things about a certain section, but the moments aren't there. So this felt like a real divider, not just as a track, but also even within the moments within the track itself. I mean, this track, honestly, <laughs> it was a lower point for me listening to it over and over again throughout listening to the album until today. When I actually focused on it, paying attention, us sitting around, yeah. I liked it more today than I ever did. I think it was because of the music, the things you were bringing up. Well, we were addressing that also off air, that environment plays uh, a point with, with just about any album, and, and, and certainly uh, Alon felt that it mattered here, that it yeah. depends whether you're listening on headphones uh, and whether you're listening in, in a room, let's say, on computer speakers. <coughs> cough, cough. Mm. Uh, Bose computer speakers. Fine, Bose. You always have to throw that in. Because Bose make amazing speakers. They do make amazing speakers. They affect the sound, though. But how old are your they Bose speakers? Uh, they're not. Uh, no. <laughs> no, it's... But still, you know, that's all no, environment in which people may prospectively 
listen to your music. So sometimes things are just not going to cut through. And is that is that a, a, a failure in the, in the music? Is that a failure in the in the the, the mixing? Because sometimes it may be if you don't consider these environments. You have to consider those environments. Yeah. Like yeah. we listen to our music before it comes out. We listen to it together with our studio monitors, yep. and then we have headphones together in the studio, yep. and then our we all listen to it on our iPhone ear pods or whatever mm-hmm. they call yeah. them, and on, on the worst possible the headphones that we can find. I like ear pods. Ear pods. Yeah, yeah those sounds like an alien possible. race. Ear pods. And let's do it in my car. <laughs> and in the car, right? And those are just coming out of song. your phone speakers. You know, just everywhere. Yeah. You have to listen to it everywhere to see. But- where you don't want that final cut, but, but objectively, I, I every other cut. To, I mean, I agree. Yeah. I agree with all this. I just do objectively admit it's it's a hard thing to keep in mind in every single instance. If you're a good yeah, uh, producer, you're you're going to be have no problem with this. But eh. it's a we seem to have had some splits. Pro- even video and music production, it's always yeah. still sanity checking. You want to just make sure you've seen it in real life. Not everybody yeah. has a perfect scenario to listen to your music in so if you're making a work of art that's supposed to be seen in a museum that's fine but it's real life yeah, <laughs> yeah but I would never ever life. watch a video at like 480 or 360 or something like that I made it for 720 I want to I see it in 720 yeah but you button. go and see an IMAX movie in a theater with the different perspective changes and you come home to your living room the lights are on your dogs are walking your kids are there you're still going to enjoy the movie mm. it's not the same cinematic experience he makes okay. a point yeah okay Thank you. Smackdown. That was a curious well, tangent. You. I like that tangent. <laughs> Thanks. Um, I, may I uh, progress us through the record to the following track? Lies. Uh, li- you, you may. Cheats. <laughs> Steals. 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 Um, Except they're all singular. Everybody's they doing cheat, it. Steal. So yeah, track six, lie, lie, cheat, steal. I feel like this is the first song we get that really kind of feels like a single. I know that uh, other well, hmm. track four did too, but here I think it, it's the most kind of like pop structured of the songs that we've heard so far like it has a lot more going on i feel like um the the synth sounds here kind of reminiscent of like a hollow pipe sound yeah well, I, I noticed like, the same thing it had, it was more focused on atmosphere yeah. here than any time before it, it was very airy very yeah. mysterious uh but only to a point because then when the beatbox kicks in i thought it, i i felt it kind of ruined the tension just a little bit um but i don't know i have that problem with music lately well, <laughs> i get i get focused on those moments and i want i, I didn't i didn't see it getting ruined i didn't see it really like detracting too much from it because the main focus of percussion is based on that 8-bit MIDI that we had in the previous track. I like it's something fresh and new and it's it's a different tone than we've gotten so far. Plus, things like the metal scat that we got much earlier in the album makes an appearance as accent pieces. I'm really digging that again. It seems like this track just all all around is just well-rounded, well-flushed out and, and working well with the kind of very like really deep lyrics that are going on right here because this might be my favorite lyrics of the entire album just because of how specific things get and how repetition is used so beautifully in these verses. I like it when you have to reiterate a point over and over again to really change the way it means. Like who really runs this? Like who really runs that man that says he runs this? Who who really runs that man that says he runs this? Run, run, runs this. I like the way it shapes it. Right. It shapes the idea of, well, who's the man behind the curtain, behind the curtain, behind the curtain? Sure. And the next one... even says that. <laughs> Could like, be the man behind the man behind the man behind the throne. But yeah. they also write from runs this to funds this, which is a near rhyme. Yes, I love right. that. But it's a near rhyme, but it's actually super important to the point of the song, whereas the funding behind the people who think they're running things is... 
what's what's you know great about it and near rhymes i'm a big fan of using near rhymes in like on purpose without cheating it's funny because sometimes we we, we run into a case here where we we find it to be a little cheap. It depends on the usage. In this case, it works. All right, yeah. all right. No, it no, depends. no, no, no. You have to understand where I'm coming from with this. Yep. Is I toss it into songs a lot, and I have two people in my group who are not me who mm-hmm. fight me tooth and nail against them. <laughs> oh, okay, I, see, I, I, it I'm walking into on some. How near your near rhyme is? <laughs> see, <laughs> sometimes you're stretching the definition of intentionally. Near. I can remember instances just in the past like eight weeks where John has actually uh, been irate over this exact thing. But yes. but I think we're all going to admit here that this in, ter- in in context really really works. Oh, just as, as John was saying. I mean, to put it in context, uh, you really made it or just became a prisoner of privilege. You willing to share that information that you've been giving? And then he goes into the part that John read, like, who really run this? Like, who really run that man that say he run this? Who really run that man that say he run this? Run, run, run this. You, like, who really fund this? Who really fund who say they fund this? Like, who in the world gonna tell Donald Sterl who to put on the you can't come list? Now, don't be silly. Who the fuck gonna bully me if I got a billy? Little silly things. Yeah, but but billy. It, but billy. Billy. A pa- powerful. Billy. it is a billion, right? Yeah, it's a billion. Okay, a billion, billion dollars. All right, this is Billy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's in a billion dollars. Because Billy rhymes with silly. It's <laughs> silly, and it is silly. Ain't it? Who the fuck gonna bully me if I got a Billy? Question is, when Don's at home with that traitor ass bitch alone, who's that voice on the side of the phone that shakes and rattles his bones? Couldn't it be the man behind the man behind the man behind the throne? Gone. It's it's just it. There's such so power good. in these lyrics, and I think. I like that they take a moment, have a breather, and then jump right into this other, this next song that just has this punch. And because of the pop structure, too, as far as it's pretty much verse-chorus. It's verse-hook. A verse-hook. Verse more or less the it's, same thing. It's the closest thing to a chorus that we've gotten so far. far. But it, it just really does kind of energize you. And and I, especially the, the, the near rhymes here, I think, kind of just... They're twinkles. They kind of spark and they get your attention and they kind of pull you through the lyrics. And I think, I think it's, it's, the, it's the it actually is the the only kind of twinkle that I I observe probably in the lyrics that really do bring me in. Period. Because you need those kind of things. It's what I've been saying since track one that I I need those things sometimes to pull me along. In this case, this was just the 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 million dollar. In this case, the billion dollar uh, verse, the billion dollar paragraph. Um, and, and it makes me so curious about his message. I would argue only against John that it's not as specific as it lets on. I think that there are some things in here that, going back to the last debate, are still a little bit satirical or at least a little bit abstract. Actually, no. You, <laughs> no, no, no. There's go a couple of lines I want to Go for it. <laughs> a revolutionary banging on my adversaries. And I love Dr. King, but violence might be necessary. Because when you live on MLK and it gets very scary, you might have to pull your AK said one to the cemetery. Like, it's it's citing the kind of movement that's going on right here. It's, it's talking about... But then, like, but then the shift, like, there's... The, it seems like it's so many messages jam-packed that at times it's not... Like, it's not a... No, it's, it, it's the a same single message. message. And then once you go into no, talking no, about message. who owns... Wait, that's no, a no, that's the, part that's of the, the reference. Because yeah. Donald Sterling was the L.A. Clippers owner. Right. And that was a very topical reference then when he wouldn't let the black person... like. Yeah, uh, right. You know, it's like... The Instagram thing. But, but yeah. here's the thing. Yeah. Here's the thing. The, the whole message of the song is... 
lie, cheat, and steal like they do, like those in power have been doing to the masses, how the 1% has been screwing the 99. Exactly. How Everybody the message of... It. With yeah. specific lie, examples... We work underpaid, steal, we underprivileged, kill, they love win, us, they love us, win, yeah, because we feed Everybody the village. Yeah, Here, the message is pretty clear. It, it, right. It's straight up saying, stop being a tool of the elite. Yeah. And Fight it against even, it. And it says, like, go the distance. Like, yeah. go that to the yeah. extremes. I mean, All right, I'll pull it on that. Only because I didn't pick up the Donald Sterling thing. So, all right. I can, I can, I can seed. Cool. But I think that the, 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 this album does have a nice kind of pattern of hitting you with some heavy messaging and then kind of taking a step back and letting you breathe. And I think, like I said before when we were discussing this track, I think that's kind of important to the, to the structure of this record. Initially, I couldn't really put my hand on where the album's kind of flow was going, but I think as we discussed the lyrics... It's becoming a little more more apparent, but also as we discuss the music, even if there's not as much detail as we said. I mean, track seven early featuring Boots, this one we get something different stylistically, musically, which I imagine Steve at least enjoyed or at least took notice of. Mm -hmm. It's this, we get a lot more synth and techno. It feels very... Daft Punk light, maybe. There's this weird sax effect that's that's a flourishing in the intro that gives an effect that we really haven't gotten a lot of effects. It's mostly just been straight up beat work. And I think that's interesting. It's the other room introduction. Like music is coming in through the walls and you're hearing it coming. It's Slightly muffled. Slightly muffled, distorted. You can't quite pin down where it's coming from. When that, I guess, sex... Kind of. Yeah, I, I, I thought it still was it. in the like the midi field. Um, oh, it's but it sounded, it, is. it sounds so yeah. so muffled. It, it's it's almost like a video game was just ending, or you just died, or something like that, it's, or like the death of a computer. In fact, later on, there's a different thing substituted in its place, and it's actually the Pac-Man sound. When you die in Pac-Man, is straight oh. up referenced later on. Nice. So yep. it, I, it, and it's funny because that almost sounds like just a higher pitch version of what happens here in the beginning, and it comes in these little sporadic doses, and I. I love it. It actually works to the theme and the story of the track itself. The first part of the song is specifically about a man outside his house, dragged out, handcuffed, planted evidence, everything like that. And what ends up is his wife gets into trouble trying to stop the cops. And then uh, from the assumption that's going on right here, his kid gets killed. So it is an outside area. You're hearing the TV inside. You're hearing the life going on inside behind a wall. And this is what's happening it's on kind the of lawn. Pull, it's, yeah. This is by the, on the stoop, on, in the driveway, something like that. Well, this is the one that I, I knew, that even as of listening to it the very first time, that it is very, very specific. Yeah. Um, and it seems that the album is getting a little more specific as it progresses. Yeah. Interestingly, I find that simultaneously the music is also getting more interesting to me as the album progresses. There's definitely a progression for sure. And I, I want to amend something I said earlier where... Typically, it's alternating between some things that seem more serious and less serious. Here, we had something that was upbeat in track six, and seemingly, at least, and for sure in the lyrics, more serious, but maybe not necessarily in the presentation. Here, we take a hard dive to serious lyrics and serious music, which I think is interesting because we hadn't really gotten that. This was very much in line together, which kind of gave it a lot more impact, I thought. You got a lot of weight here. I mean, it'd be feeling like the life I'm living is, man, out of control. Like every day I'm in a fight for my soul. Could it be that my medicine's the evidence for pigs to stop and frisk me when they're rolling around on patrol and ask why you're here? And I just tell them it is what it is. I live here. 
here, and that's what it is. He chimed, you got a dime? I said, man, I'm trying to smoke and chill. Please don't lock me up in front of my kids and in front of my wife. Man, I ain't got a gun or a knife. You do this and you ruin my life. And I apologize if it seems like I got out of line, sir, because I respect the badge and the gun, and I pray today ain't the day you're going to drag me away right in front of my beautiful son. And he, and he still put my hands in cuffs put me in the truck when my woman screamed and said shut up witness with the camera phone on saw the copper pull a gun and put it on my gorgeous queen as i peered out the windows i could see the other my other kinfolk and hear my little boy as he screamed as he ran toward the copper begged him not to hurt his mama cause he had her face down on the ground and i'd be much too weak to ever speak what i seen but my life changed with that sound it's kind of a run on it's hard to do but that's a lot of content jammed in a very, very short span of time. You get the entire man's story, and you haven't you get any of that early on this album. And I, I, I wonder if this is just that, that pent-up aggression kind of coming out, and the emotion, it, as if he was more bottled up earlier on, and now all of a sudden you see exactly where he's coming from. But if you also start an album like that, you're going to turn people off. Of course. Yeah. yeah. So it's just so it, it's marketing. about the right, yeah, not time. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense to build to that, I think. I, 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 I and... It's just it's tough with lyrics like that, you know. You especially if you don't get it just by listening, and once you read them, like the power is just tenfold. And I mean, there's nothing to debate as far as the power of the lyrics. I think that. Well, it's more of the story. Like I would actually, uh, in the tastefulest way possible, I would only say that this is some of the less impactful lyrics to me. And I mean that not in terms of content, but in terms of wordplay. It's just right. I, I can tell this is that telling there was a, a lot of concessions being made where he would put a little bit more work into some other things here, uh, into the writing itself here. He just wanted to get the story out. Right. The narrative is taking precedence here, and I think that's interesting because that hasn't really happened before. And the narrative is dictating his inflection. I think that's really the the bulk of what's going on here both with the music and with the actual vocal work it's all about and I'd be much too weak to ever speak what I've seen that line right there is very telling for how this is being presented to us the funny thing is yeah when it gets to the hook the whole get out get out get out feeling this feeling this too early get out get out feeling this way too early I mean like that's also the pent-up uh feeling of of this has to this has to come out at some point because when you get up so early in the morning and this is on your mind like I, that's the way I took it like there these are some of the questions that sometimes people think like you know when you're two thirds of the way through your day then they start getting your mind when you feel this like just after you wake up that's when it's time to make a change or make a change in society as a whole and the funny thing is when I first heard that just musically not really picking up on the whole entire uh, theme here I felt that it was almost a little bit too epic or I actually use the word mock epic, but of course it's not mock epic when you consider the, the thing that he actually just went through. You know, I, I just, I did feel like the music kind of blossomed into something that I at the time was taking to be also the whole parody because it is the plight of one person instead of the plight of all. But I know that it's implied to also be the plight of all, so. Yeah, stories get told by people. People don't care about masses. Yeah. Things that happen to masses of people, people don't care about it. The interest, the interest it. story, yeah. Right. Yeah. Right, and he's you know talking in general about the the plight of the the escalation of of the police that has was in the news and you know when this album was created and continues to be in the news today. And it's actually interesting to see uh, his verse, you know, Killer Mike's verse, because he is a, a black rapper versus LP, who's a white rapper, who whose verse is a little bit less specific and a little bit less about about that kind of thing because he's coming from a different perspective. Right, because at and that point... He's not, right, he's not trying to 
kind of emulate Killer Mike's right. verse and lyrical content and theming, but he's also trying to add to the song as a whole and come from that same place. Well, because you're like, re- thing- reading that uh, to us to give us an example. I made it in the dark like Civil War surgery, woke up in the same air you huff early. By 12 o'clock, the whole earth felt dirty. Street lamps stare when you walk, watch the birdie. They'll watch you walk to the store they're recording, but didn't record cop when he shot, no warning. Heard it go pop, might have been two blocks. Heard a kid plus pops watch cop make girl bleed. Go to home, go to sleep, up again early. The day and the night of it. (laughs) Yeah, well, and it's this idea of you don't want to... The worst thing you can do in any kind of, you know, when someone's relating personally to an experience and you don't have that personal connection, you're coming from any kind of privilege outside it, the worst thing you can do is step on their toes and say, well, I know what you're going through because that doesn't help anything. And so this is kind of giving a perspective without saying, well, I know what you're going through. And I think it's brilliantly done. It's saying I watched the news and I saw that this happened and, and I feel your plight. Yeah. I feel for you. I'm feel not. For you, I'm, right. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not you. I feel for you. And, exactly. You know, I understand. But he also didn't change his routine. What? Yeah. No, his routine doesn't oh, yeah. change. Yeah, yeah. still just move. It's just, yeah, it's it's just, just another yeah. aspect of his life at this point. Right? Yeah. Are you trying to make the indictment? He's the observer. He is. Well, I mean, yeah, because, yeah. He's, because he does. He's, he's making the indictment but because well. he's yeah. an observer. That yeah. Yeah. the thing you know. is, a lot of people are observers. I mean, like a lot of people. I don't know. They commit against sins they want to look at what's happening online from a keyboard they don't actually make change or do things yeah. at least they which is why i'm asking not. you feel here that it's being there's a statement being made that he is too much of a passive observer i don't think he's trying to pass that much judgment or just point out the fact that that okay. exists or happens or yeah i think it's being presented he's not necessarily making an accusation i think it's this, this presentation of that this is stuff that's happening and this is sometimes how it's viewed or how it's what happens it's you know it's not necessarily accusing anybody i think but it's definitely bringing it to attention these right. things from this perspective it's 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 playing up the idea that is it this is a really cold idea but one death is a tragedy a hundred deaths is a statistic like it's just mm-hmm. you get you get inundated yeah. with this idea of yeah, there's another shooting of this, or there was another incident of that, or another car accident on the highway. It's no longer the personal tragedies. The only people that can feel a personal tragedy are those people that have experienced it. But when you see X number of people got shot, I, okay, side tangent, a friend of mine is a cop over in Chicago, and he's fairly recent to the job, but he was talking about in the area he patrols, something like 30 people got shot one night, nine died, and this is not an unusual night. Like, wow. this happens multiple times a week. That'll desensitize anyone. And yes, yeah, he's, he's new to it, and he was explaining to me, like, he, he still feels it pretty raw, but a lot of the guys that have been on the beat even four or five years are, at this point, just numb to it. Yeah, and that's both both... Both That's, the rawness and the numbness can be dangerous in any way. And, and, you know, it, and no, tough. it's just at the end of the day, it's just freaking scary. Yeah, well, that's just, just it. It's just a scary idea that a cop and cops can feel like this. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Um, I think we need to pull the parachute on this track. Yeah, I think. yeah, we're, yeah, we're, we're, we're going into it. It was freaking depressing. It, but but it's so well made, yeah. and I think that's what really uh, takes a shine to me for that track. Whereas the dichotomy feeling for that is in track eight, all due respect, featuring Travis Barker. Nothing against Travis Barker. I happen to still like Blink One Eighty Two, but 
having physical drums in a song, which you can hear pretty much from the get, this is not a drum machine, this is absolutely Travis doing the drumming, it adds a clutter to the track, and, and like, we, we were all at one point saying that there was less in the beginning, and there's now clearly more here. I don't know I like the more that's here. Um, I don't yes. know that that's the fault of the track, or what I was used to maybe, but I just feel like, at this point, it got a little cluttered. I was complaining a lot in the <laughs> earlier tracks, and I'm, I'm going to head this off before anybody calls me out, because I told them they could call me out, but I kind of want to head it off. I was complaining that there wasn't enough going on that I wanted areas to go to. This is this is the, the maximum that you can do with it. It's just scattered. There's so many elements being, being pulled in and just thrown in there for a brief instant, and then dropped. And that, I think, is the key to my problem here. Yeah, I'm getting new, I'm getting fresh, I'm getting a lot of ideas, but none of the ideas feel fleshed out. They they don't feel complete. It's it's there were good pieces though, and that's the issue I got going on. Uh guess what, John, I'm not gonna call you out. I thought that you were consistent and we actually agree. But instead that in agreeing before, we don't agree now. I thought that this track worked. And maybe I, I was listening to our, our, our pre-album, our pre-podcast discussion, and I was just kind of snickering myself because I actually felt that this was like gangster rap meets square pusher. It felt it felt in, insanely mm-hmm. sporadic. And of course, there's always like a fine line there with square pusher. I understand square pusher is sometimes too sporadic, but we had a solid look at square pusher actually back in episode 153, Damage and Furies by Square Pusher. And the thing is, I, I feel like I kind of started to see the value in some of this sporadic behavior, and it felt organized within context of the album to me. Like, it felt like this had finally given me some of the intensity that is, is justly uh, uh, appropriate right here, following some of the content of the last couple tracks. And the funny thing is, as I said in the beginning, that whole album, just the music wasn't catching up. It was doing eh, slow little ambling forward, uh, retreating at times, retreating very often, in fact, or adding little doses of emotion and instrumentation. I, I didn't feel like it was really uh, reflecting the intensity of the situation at all. And here, I feel like it finally was. And so I felt... Very uh, curious to be on the opposite side of the front where everyone is like, no, they oh, they lost me in this track. <laughs> like, the, when the music reflects it, that's a success for me. Uh, I'm with you, actually. I, oh, okay. I didn't speak up before, but I feel like okay, I have good. to... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you had the same... Uh, you have the same passive-aggressive... I have an ally going. Um, I'm always a fat, uh, fan of um, real instruments in, in hip-hop tracks, and I am a fan of uh, artists like Square Pusher and... You know, and uh, Venetian snares and guys yep. who really do kind of go crazy, and and I feel like it did. It's an acquired taste, I admit. Oh, it's absolutely, not for and I feel like it did kind of fit here, um, especially with the chaotic nature of the lyrics, where he's just talking to interrupt. About... To be fair, it took me ten years to really love Square Pusher and take that how you. <laughs> well, and also, and I'll amend while yeah. while you get to the lyric you want to read. I I, I want to amend that. I didn't think it was not good for the album. I think I just didn't enjoy it, and it's because maybe I was in a groove with the album, whereas you weren't. They but tricked I, me, but, in my case. But I will, <laughs> I will agree with both of you that I think for the album, and considering the, the content we had had, I absolutely agree with what you're saying, that this made sense in the progression of the record. Well, this lyric right here, where he says, uh, we, the, we the bad boys bully with the fully that the teachers say ain't shit and in the need of discipline. We the goddamn reason for riddling in the back of the class twitching and fidgeting. So yeah, it, the lyrics are absolutely reflecting the nature and sporadicness of the track. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, okay. I'll concede that. 
I mean, it's still it's not very, enjoying it. It's actually it's very, very honest. <laughs> it's very honest. I mean, it continues. It's very de- self-aware. Dead wrong. We never got along. We laughed at the kids that was active participants. Bad boy walk right past church with the work in the bag and a Bible of Gideon. Uh, got suspended for bullying a bully. When I go back to class, I'm a punch him in his shit again. <laughs> I mean, punch it, him I, in to his be shit honest, again, punch, punch him in his yes. shit again. Yeah. I like that repetition. Yeah. That was actually a nice, like, pre Yeah, it's a very tasteful, yeah. tasteful uh, additive. Um, the funny thing is, actually, the first time I heard this, I'm listening to, to the lyrics, and I'm like, well, that's, he really it makes him hard-pressed, I guess, to sound likable in this. You know, it's like yeah. you want to sympathize with the character and where he's coming from, especially considering the content of the last track. This completely uh, under underpins that a little bit. Um, I actually, once again, thought that this was an element of satire, and con- I don't know. I don't know anymore where the satire parody thing is going, because it was suggested by you two, I remind you. Alright, so, again, this <laughs> song takes itself not too seriously, which yeah. is good. It very often, the entire album is very honest about itself and knows where it's going. The yeah. previous song was a lot about like cops and like overreach and that kind sure. of stuff. And then very early on in this track, the first verse by Killer Mike, who has the, the personal touch in the first one, is saying, ah, look what I did shit. And if I get stopped by a crooked ass cop, I'll put a billet in a pig. Like, and there's like, ah, ha, ha, look what I did again. Like, he's just pretty much doing some braggadocio about something he wouldn't actually like do. That's, yeah, that's why but, I kind of... That's what's great about it, because they take the series of the last track, and then when you talk to, like, oh, I'm saying they're not advocating murder, they're not advocating murder, but they do want serious change. And they're using both sides of parody or whatever to get that voice across. See, that's just, it. that's the argument that I was making about, like, two or three tracks ago. I and I would say, I mean, that's an, either a device, I, I still think satire is probably the word for it, sure. because the idea is he's going around you a little bit, and by saying these things that he really doesn't mean, I feel like the expectation is that as a listener, as a novice listener of gangster rap, you will gloss over those lines and think like, oh, that, that's vulgar. Oh, what a horrible, horrible person. But there's, you know, there's a little bit of mind play in there. But if you get through an entire album where part of it you thought it was, oh, that's vulgar, by the time you get through other sides of it, you'll have at least enjoyed it, or you'll have turned it off by then. And if you turned it off by then, they don't care about your opinion. But it absolutely <laughs> demands that you that you need to be following the story, you know, word by word. It Otherwise, it won't. The effect won't. You know, I mean, it doesn't well, that's true. The same themes play over and over again about overreach, cops, things, about the society being against you, and that kind of thing. You only have to but his approach varies. Yes, significantly. Yes. Right. Sure. Yes. But whatever speaks to you will speak to you. Yeah, it'll and come out same, to you no matter how it gets there. I, I would argue that the, the satire of this track and that, that thing that you just described and how it is successful, I, I don't believe it would stand alone, but it does work with the album. Right. It's my personal opinion. No, I agree with that. It's designed to work as part of the album, and it wouldn't stand alone. That contradicts <laughs> with what you just said about no, it. I was talking about how it works with the song before it. Yeah. I, you had said something about how, a sp- how it... If a certain track speaks to you, then it speaks to you, and there you are. But I, th- I felt that you were taking that in context of like, all right, well, that's if someone just took the album piecemeal. Oh, no, I meant when a certain train of thought speaks to you. Okay. Which, and all the different trains of thought in different areas do happen throughout the album. And, but, and we said there wasn't a theme to the album, and there, we kind of keep coming back to the same, that there is a theme, it just gets at the theme from different ways. Okay. I agree with that. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. I've chipped that is facade. This <laughs> <laughs> was everything track. else you said, but I, just, I agree with that. <laughs> with all due respect. And in the next track, Love Again, oh. we're getting another satire take, which honestly took me way too long to get the satire so, in this track. So this track features Gangsta Boo, um, who it's I've also, not heard before. It's also not just called Love Again. It's Love Again, I Can Yell You Back. <laughs> 
Which uh, is referencing a rapper from the 90s, Akinyeli. Which I did not know. First time listening to it. Me and that's the first thing I want to point out. I don't get that reference. Which Which is, is, is I get okay. it now because James pointed out some of the older records and told me about it. I Wikipedia it. So now you're an aficionado, clearly. Oh, clearly, because Wikipedia. But yeah. it's the other... The other aspect, the two-thirds of the track, which really do seem out of character for these characters, right. for Killer Mike and LP, that threw me for a loop for the longest time. And honestly, I kind of tuned out the first few times listening to this track. Like hovering over the stop button. Yeah, when yeah. Gangsta right. Boo comes in, I kind of glossed over what she says, and that was a big detractor on this on this piece. Right, but sure. also the, the not paying and focusing to it is what caused that to happen. Because if you follow the track and the narrative... Yeah. I would say that I was paying too much attention to the first two parts of this. Oh, maybe. The, definitely the first verse. Because what's going on here is basically about as misogynistic as you can possibly be. But over yeah. the top misogynistic. So over Completely the top. Completely over yeah. the top. Which is what Akinyeli was known for. Yeah. And I don't know that. Yeah. Exactly. I don't. I so can't. Yeah. No, but even not knowing that, you, you get the slapped in the face with pretty much a penis, essentially, for the entire first two-thirds of the song. Well, actually, yes. It's it's literal in many cases oh, yes. that yeah. you're being slapped in the face of the but penis. But you know it's abs- you have to know it's absurd at this By point. By this point, I know of the, it's of the absurd. album. But it's the fact that it takes a little while for this joke to show up. I kind of wanted the joke, like the real punchline, right. to be in the hook. That first hook... Mm-hmm. Probably right. would have settled it very evenly for me. And well, they're not the island. Yeah, I feel like the I feel like the 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 impact of the song. I agree with James is because of the specific structure. Michael on just said as I was talking. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. It be, I, I wish I hadn't talked over it, but if it came in the chorus, it would be a Lonely Island song. Lonely Island can be serious in most of their tracks for about a verse, and then yeah. after the verse, the hook comes in, and there's the gag. If it wasn't actually in the first verse, I threw it on the ground. I, yes. Right. I just, wouldn't even think they'd wait a verse personally. Right. But, like, but that's I, my point. I agree with uh, Alon's perspective. Yes, I don't think like. In order for the comedy to shine through, you really have to go the lengths of the Lonely Island. That's clearly not their point. Um, But I did think that the music sometimes, in each case, it's sometimes a little too serious for me. And I I liked it. That's what the weird contrast is. It's it's actually so much more successfully hypnotic in this track than Mm -hmm. probably any other track on the album. It's like a diabolical broken record of of an engine. It just keeps doing the same thing over and over, which is actually what most engines do. But it's the same (laughs) process over and over, and and it just it feels like I I I was drawn in. I don't know. I couldn't I couldn't explain it, and yet I don't know if that necessarily aided. My uh, understanding of this joke, but then again, I can't, pretty much like Matt, really wasn't into the joke anyway, so maybe it's irrelevant. So it's not really a joke, it's more of a send to or send up kind of thing. Yeah, so, a joke's but, not the right word. But, right. I, but I will say that this song musically really drew me in, and the lyrics really pushed me away at the same time. Yeah, yeah. that's, that's, really that's exactly where and I am. And once, yeah, same here, and once, once again, by being, you know. Right kind of on the pared down side and that somehow works but this song only works because of its both album and song structure I mean because you get both rappers out of the way doing their thing and then with the follow up with the woman doing the counterpoint 
makes the first two verses okay. Had it happened any earlier, it would have been a boring, terrible song. And had it been anywhere else on the album, it wouldn't have worked. Yeah, any earlier, and we would not have been or prepared we would have been, for it. We, yeah. we would have been lost. This was the exact moment to do that, considering they'd kind of build up and build up and build up. Having this moment to break the tension, I, th- I agree, I think is perfectly placed. And when you pay attention to the lyrics, it absolutely just ha- hammer home, where the first two verses are very misogynistic and then the third verse is the woman having taking that role and flipping it sure her first two lines are that's what you want huh well let me tell you a little story like yeah. she you know right away this is gonna flip the entire song on its head and and i i appreciate that there's not enough of that i think in rap period let alone you know for sure gangster rap though i'm again only so familiar with it i think it's just I think that this song does not work on a first listen, but it's not supposed to. It's meant to work in the album on multiple listens, which if you are invested in an album, right. you will do. Right. And so I think that it may, I may agree that it might have failed on an initial listen. Uh, if you're not paying too much attention or not enough, it absolutely on repetitions becomes more of a solid track. And I agree, it probably couldn't work any other way. Just to clarify, if you didn't already say, uh, uh, James, is this is this the issue of vocals or lyrics to clarify the push that was pushing you away oh sorry the lyrics lyrics are pushing me away while the music was drawing me in so lyrics specific not just the vocal yeah they're off-putting i mean they're totally misogynistic they're over the top it's not something i would like would love to listen to if it was three verses of that i wouldn't listen to it again it is really curious because this is the this is the kind of 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 track which on the first listen led me to my confusion you know on how to interpret the last few tracks right because that time I mean, I this s- is why the word yeah. parody confuses the crap out of me in context of this album. Like honestly, I'm I gonna retract. No, I, I'm gonna word. retract. I think maybe they could have used a little bit of Lonely Island touch on this point in the places where they want to uh, be a little cheeky. This, this had they done that, I wouldn't cheek. like the song. Yeah, yeah. I feel like if you would have any kind of clue in on the I will call it joke for sake of our conversation before the second verse, the entire the whole song would have failed. But, you know, but it is completely misogynistic or whatever. I mean, I still don't know why I love Glassjaw albums. Like, I don't really understand what's going on. So it's a, it's a good song when it's put together the way it's put together. But for me, this is a good song that's just thought-provoking, not really enjoyable. Because it's, as much as I know there's a punchline to the first two verses that really does get explained in the third. Counterpoint. Right. I don't like <laughs> What's portrayed in the first two verses? And to like, me, this is a song. This is a song that's visceral, but it's not thought-provoking in any way. <laughs> and they know that. That's why it's exactly yeah, here I, on the album. Yeah, I mean, yeah. they put it. I mean, the so you know, we're towards the end of the album. Usually, an album will be structured. You have a whole bunch of songs. You have some kind of longer or a lower kind of energy song, and then it ends somehow. However, you want your song to end. Yeah. Putting it right before the more serious song, which we'll probably talk about shortly, like it allows you to do whatever you want after you've had the entire voice of your album to happen. So again, earlier it wouldn't have worked. Later it wouldn't have worked. Structured differently internally, it wouldn't have worked, and it fits here. Depends on how you perceive an arc or, or what you want out of your arc. So well, you want your entire album to have happened without this getting in the way of it, and you want it to end right. <laughs> it, it's kind of like you watch, you know, episode four and episode five, and then you get rid of the prequels, and then you end <laughs> on six. Not a terrible point. <laughs> I like find, I like intellectual consistency. Maybe that's my my issue here. I don't. We don't know. have that anywhere in this album. No, we don't. So that's it's true. consistently inconsistent. <laughs> that's gonna come back in the wrap up let's um, uh, go to track 10 Crown featuring Diane Coffey so this this track really engaged me 
in a different way from anything else on the album. It's the first time I kind of felt that I'm going to skip the tropes I wrote down, but it, it engaged me atmospherically. I felt like this is the first song I felt like there was a setting. It felt open. It felt kind of well hazy and floaty. The I, MIDI's back. But right. what was going on with the MIDI and the percussion line is that there was these kind of ominous tones being played in conjunction, mirroring what's going on there, that adds a different level of reverb to everything. That really does do a lot to space it out and just make an ominous feel to everything. It felt not like ominous an... dire, but ominous as in there's something, uh, something that's even for this album deep going on. Well, yeah, like something it, a little darker underneath the surface. Yeah. I would call it like an '80s noir film in, yeah, in some ways. Sure. That like that's, that's the that's way okay, yeah. the general ambiance of this felt. I also like little accents that they throw in here, little uh, keyboard chimes that I thought were drop dead gorgeous. Um, it's also in a, in a really quick 6-8. I love the feel of that, which is interspersed by the, these various piano ballads. Um, and then following the piano ballad, when they throw it back to the beat, they go back to these little a- accents. I would describe the keyboard uh, chimes as like wa- watery seventh chords or ninth chords. I thought it was absolutely beautiful. And once again, we do seem to be topping ourselves, albeit not entirely uh, you know, by the numbers here. But musically, I'm finding my favorite musical moments later in the album. I thought it was gorgeous. Interesting. And the content here is another one of those really sober like pieces. Won't be the same, won't be the same type of man that puts cocaine in this lady's hand. Heard she was pregnant. I'm guilty, I reckon, because I hear that good shit can hurt a baby's brain. Heard he was normal till three and then stopped talking. Since then, ain't nothing been the same. Seen her some years later out in Decatur, told her I'm sorry for causing her pain. Causing me pain, causing me pain, she asked again, then grabbed my right hand. Asked am I crazy, said, look here, baby, I release you from all your sins and your shame, because I've been redeemed. I found in Christ whatever it take, I hope you find it, Mike. The look on her face shone that glory replaced all the shame and the hate, and that she wears a crown. My late grandma Betty had prayed with her heavy and told her to tell me to lay my burdens down. Like, that's deep. That's that's really, oh, like, yeah. some personal that's stuff. That's very personal. That's... And, and you even skipped over the first couple of lines of that verse, which really set up that entire thing. It the was... The entire story that he just told. The the preach... No, done with repetition. Yeah, the, 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 the calling out and asking God right. for, for a chance to change and everything like that. But when he starts... When, when he gets released, when that sin is absolved... It's like even vocally, like things start changing from well, what's going on too. right here. Like we we also throughout the track get some guitar solos here. We get we get some interesting instrumentation that had not been present before, and I think mm-hmm. it just adds the ambiance of the whole track. It gives it this kind of higher power nature, if you will. You Especially know? in that drone that's in the backdrop, that's right. really not quite audible all the time. It seems to wax and wane, but it's mostly because the percussion playing around with it. Is, is screwing with what you're hearing, but it's it's not an annoying drone. It's not really an electronic drone. It's just like, it's just someone humming in the background and a little bit of a distant away that I really felt the expanse coming, coming out in this track. Right, and then LP follows that up with uh, a, another seemingly very personal tale about possibly spending some time in the military. It says, down with the shame, down with the shame. Carried the flag in some other man's name, loaded my weapon and swore to them vengeance and stepped with aggression right into the fray, into the haze, into the murk, told me to prove to them what I was worth. Yeah, and which yeah. Is also feels 
immensely. The, the emotion, the, the the emotion in this track is just so palpable through the music, through the lyrics, through the spit speed, through you know everything. It was my favorite song on the album. I mean, it's it's up there. It's just it's it's a powerful force, but I think it's also as powerful because of where it is. I think it absolutely being towards the end of the record and having all of those other things. Adds to the power of it. I mean, maybe it, it would probably still be emotional somewhere else on the record, but I think being towards the end, you kind of have perspective at this point. Right? I, have, I have no doubt that as far as classical arc structure, it is aided by being at the end. I think this would, uh, I would like this track if it were the very first track, and mm -hmm. I certainly liked it in comparison to everything else, but I think the opening thing you said is really the reason why this wins for me, uh, wins the day as far as this album is concerned, because it's the only track that I've heard that just feels completely 100% cohesive as far uh, the music reflecting how the character feels and it's still being there in the lyrics and uh, being able to be understood on a first listen. I don't, I, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to belittle the the concept of, all right, you're a rapper, you want to jam as many things into one verse as possible, um, and, and maybe you can be very, very brilliant in the process, but sometimes I think that can... Uh, that can actually alienate some of your listeners because then you just find your only reaction as a listener is to say, that's impressive. But what are you missing? <laughs> what are you missing? You know? So I will say that the very first listen on this album, there was one line that just struck me that I just liked it on a very pure like level. Like, you'll become death. It was in, in, right after the lyrics of the line just read, so you'll become death, you will take breath. Like, that part of the album, I heard it like, oh, that sounds great. And when you think about it, one of my favorite people to quote, this is a fun thing, is Robert Oppenheimer, one of mm. the creators of the you know, nuclear weapons is I am become death destroyer of worlds. Yep. It's a quote that's often attributed to him. Although he actually took it from the Bhagavad right. Gita. Exactly. Yeah. But it's attributed to Robert Oppenheimer. Like mm -hmm. He uses, it's, it's always back to him. And that's what's re referenced here because it's, we'll teach you to move without mercy and give you the tools to go after the causes of hurt. Like, it's literally talking you about giving you tools to create death and without mercy and pretty much when you drop a nuclear bomb on people like that was like the most massive amount of death you can incur and there's little mercy involved in that because it's so widespread yeah. and it's, I am become death is such a great line and it's in there it's just a lyric and it's great and yeah. the message and I, I, I love the way the hook is just reiterating the message can't pick up no crown holding what's holding you down can't pick up no crown holding holding what's holding you down and it's you have to release the burden I mean in one case, absolved from sin by the person who you've trans uh, transgressed against. In the other case, sort of realizing that you were just a cog and it's not your fault for the things you did. You were brainwashed and forced and, and put in that situation. But it's also the message of you can actually... There's hope. There's there's a chance of being, you know, happy again. Of, of, of being, you know, absolved. Of being... Mm -hmm out of this malaise and darkness that is on top of you. It's very powerful message-wise. It's still not quite there for Lie, Cheat, and Steal. That one's just, I guess, a little bit catchier with the message. Right, right. But this is like the closest second best track on all, any album I've listened to in a very long time. I'll say this before we move on, and it'll be no surprise to our listeners, I tend to gravitate towards the more emotional tracks. I will say that Crown hooked me more than that only because there's a clear emotional message that you get from the moment the song starts before you hear any lyric and then the lyrics just hammer it home. And so for me, that's what makes this track so strong. 
not that I'm disagreeing with John. I'm just saying where my perspective is kind of and why I favor it so much. I'm pretty much with you on this one. From here we go to the final track. Track 11. uh, Angel Duster, which... I don't curious ending to the album. I don't want to say necessarily a bad ending because I, I sometimes often jump into conclusions very aggressively saying, Oh, this is good or this is bad. I think here for me, the heavy drum that's pretty much persistent in the first half of this track, it was just it, it for whatever reason it felt grating to me. I don't know that it was. I think something about it just hit me wrong. It regressed. It regressed to like eight bit level simplicity, which I guess is more in sync with the early stuff. Which makes sense to do after you've done your last deeper track before the end where you go back to your theme. It's a Musically. eulogy. That's what it is. It's a eulogy for the rest of the album, for all the people that were not saved, for all the people that were hurt. It starts off with yep. A little toast to the no ones with a nod to the masters, to the ones with the riches from the ones who the rags fit. Yeah. They're the ones wearing the rags, the hurt, the, the downtrodden, the ones they've been speaking to, to rise up, to fight against. You want something that's going to be simple and easy to, to, to keep a beat to. You want even the, the kind of oh. more deadened vocals that are yeah. going on right here. It's it's meant to be an, an homage to them. It's meant to be their their epitaph, their eulogy for the lost people. Sure. That's the theme. I that it. is and that's nobody the story. has even mentioned the intro to the song just yet, which borrows a phrase from Oh, that's right. Fly like an eagle by yeah. the, by the Steve Miller band. <laughs> yeah, which right? was a very interesting choice. Right. Well, it's coming off of that that, that, that kind of very heavy song, and now it's coming into this one, which is saying there's a little bit of hope. Yeah. Right? I mean, I will say that. Just my... that, that, that up, uplifting kind of musical uh, phrase there. I will say that my issues, I think, were more instrumental. I, I think that, the again, the, the vocals and the lyrics are fantastic. And as far as fitting that way... I can't disagree. Um, I mean, I was more engaged instrumentally, though, by the second half of the track. Yes. Which, I mean, we get these kind of warped strings that it's pretty like much a, play out the second. It's squeal with contrast. Right. I mean, it sounds like it's actual strings being played at some point, and then they're manipulating it in production. And I think it's just, I don't know, there's something truly kind of beautifully twisted about it. Especially well, considering everything that we've gotten so far. Uh, and the fact that it's a eulogy. Killer Mike's last verse... A pope is a fraud, a church is a lie, a queen is the same damn thing. You should pray to your fake god that she die. God really exists, I tell you, like this, it resides inside. And anybody tell you different, just selling you religion, trying to keep your ass in line. I kill my masters, I mentor none. That means that when I die, that's it. My style is gone, I'm a one of one. One half of the great RTJ. Defeated the odds, went to war with the gods, earned all our scars and came back straight. Like that that's the message of of instead of trying to conform to anything, instead of live trying for to you. Yes, live yeah. like live by your maxim. Gotta and fly like an eagle. Well, yeah. Actually <laughs> yeah, there you go. There's your nod right there. But it's <laughs> it's living by the personal creed, by the personal divinity. I mean that gets thrown around with a lot of weird religions and a lot of esoteric ideas and here, there, and everywhere and in interpretation, but blah, blah, blah. This is, there's no outside force. It's you that is the person that creates your existence and only you. And that's a really, like, important idea. 
and it's it's so interesting to hear this major album like summation wise it, it does a great job of really bookending it for me of putting the period on the message that they're bringing across right here I think it was less apparent in the beginning for me, but upon subsequent listens and discussion, which often brews this, I I have a lot more perspective on it. I think I got a a vague sense of this motion now just from listening, but but now it seems a lot stronger to me. That said, I wanted more music. (laughs) Like, I'm gushing about the, the, the lyrics of this track and even the presentation, but I wanted more music. I agree. Yeah. It, it, It... actually left me wanting another like bit of high energy and bit of momentum towards the end of the album. I'd say right. it left me wanting the beauty, uh, wanting the ineffable. It seems to be what he's circling. Mm-hmm. And they kind of, well, it's funny, just to, this is going to be off topic slightly. We reviewed this album as the album and it was its full form. But in some other mediums, there is a bonus track, which is a sequel to Bark the Sun Night Part 2, which actually is more high energy and more music. So for those who want that ending, like if you were reading Clockwork Orange, the book, you want a little bit more, you can keep reading the last part and see what happens. You know, like somebody who want to read it the way you want to read it, you read that version, we'll listen to the flum. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I guess that's his fair point. I like, I like the way you very subtly said, you do wrong, we'll do it the right way. That's <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> You no, but I you. get what you're saying. Yeah, you and do things honestly, your way, just like they're telling you. To. There you go. You, yes, not, I, I like to circle back to the message. Thank you. Yeah, I try. <laughs> and uh, I'm kind of delaying doing a wrap up because this is this is a really tough album, and from previous albums of this caliber, of this message, like the heist that we did, oh, quite some time ago. Episode, episode 47, The Heist by Malcolm Warren Wright Lewis, episode 47. Which oh. I was in love with. He's like the Rain Man of episode numbers. I it's amazing. It's it really here. useful. Really useful. That's why we keep it. It's a party around. trick. Hey, <laughs> you demean me. But I gave that album a five because Macklemore was just spitting out amazing messages and it's what I wanted rap to do. But the other aspect was Ryan Lewis and his mixing was phenomenal on that album. And I think that's where this album leaves me, leaves me wanting more. I, as my biggest complaint throughout was just I wanted more music. I wanted more music. I wanted this flushed out. I wanted that flushed out. There's hardly a melody to speak of on this album, and I don't feel like it couldn't have been done. I feel like yeah, it wasn't really necessary to to get in front of the words, to really get in front of the message, to to change up what they were saying or how they were saying it. But I felt like that could have been the big addition that would have propelled this to an upper four or five album. Because for all of the the parts where I was kind of fuzzy and it really did take a lot of listening to, to understand a lot of the words, to understand a lot of the message that was going on. And like even even track nine, Love Again, I'm, I'm not going back to that track. Definitely not going back to that track. But it was still, at the end of the day, interesting. Like at worst, these things are interesting. I just want more. And I know other people have done more in this similar vein of, of of being a message piece. So, 4.25. The message was there, and I identify with a lot of it, but it's just, it, it's just so, for me, lackluster on the musical side. <laughs> 
Uh, Steve just did the finger on the nose trick, so I'm going next. The not eight, and that's why I actually went first. Yeah. Um, Same yeah. reason. <laughs> the things you can't see because we're an audio medium. Um, I don't know. I was conflicted about this album the, every time I listened to it. Um, I, I, I still love Macklemore and Ryan Lewis, um, but I feel like... I feel like it was still probably a very important record. I just don't know that I love it as much now as I did then. Um, I don't know if that's to any fault of the record per se. I uh, also haven't been a, the hugest fan of Macklemore himself in the public medium, but then again, that distorts everybody. So I won't get into that. I'll just say that that rap record may not affect me as much as it did at the time. This one is a few years old, but that said, these messages are still persistent. A lot of them are still important issues that are spoken about all the time now. Um, I, I sort of agree with John about wanting more music. I feel like there couldn't have been more for this record only because I don't feel like it's an accident that some of the tracks were as bare as they were. I feel like that was absolutely intentional and important because clearly the focus is very much on the lyrics on a lot of this record, not all of it. And they took moments to not focus just on the lyrics and to focus on the other stuff as well. And I enjoyed those moments. I think that, you know, uh, not getting all the lyrics on the first shot is, for me, part of the course of the rap record. Unless, unless you're very few specific rap artists, I have trouble following the lyrics. I need time to catch up. It's just my brain processes at that speed. Um, so I will focus more on the music. And I think on the first listen, I felt the same way as John. But on subsequent listens, I feel like these tracks really exist to promote what's being said even if you don't necessarily understand it initially um i don't think that it's the best rap record i've ever heard i also don't think though it's by far the worst either i think this is definitely going in a direction that i would love to see rap go because honestly the bare bones track still did interesting things with the beat that kept me engaged enough that i focused on the things that i wanted to um i never felt really bored at any point at all. Like, there was no moment where it's like, wow, this beat's so repetitive, I can't stand it. Where bands like Square Pusher and some others, where the clutter gets so ridiculous that I just lose interest, or, you know, more pared down stuff where I just feel like there's not enough and I get bored. That never happened here. I think there was enough elements of content somewhere within each track, whatever that content was, that I stayed engaged. So for me, that already pushes it to a four. Um, I think that I do agree, though that there are moments where I drifted a bit, at least within the track. I don't think, like I said, I was ever bored, but I think my mind wandered a bit. Um, but um, I think I'm going to continue to listen to this a lot and go back to their older stuff. And it makes me just want to listen to their individual stuff more too, which a good supergroup record will absolutely do. It will interest you in the solo careers. And this definitely did that. Um, this is... a. Uh, I'm gonna bump it up a little higher than John's. It's, this is a 4.4 for me. This is approaching upper echelon, not necessarily from a I've never heard this before perspective. I think more in the vein of I wanna hear more of this, but with more, more things or more dynamics or different guests. I think that there is potential to grow this even more. And fact, the fact that they just name their records numbers I, I like that. Like, this is just the next step, the next evolution. I want to go back and hear the first one and hear if it is more pared down and less impressive than the second one. I think that there, it seems like there's a clear progression and arc for the band as well as the record, and that interests me, and so I give it a 4.4. 4. 
So I wanted to let my co-hosts, I guess, uh, argue in favor of this. I don't know. I don't know where I was. I still don't know where I am. Um, I'm here. Nice stall tactic. (laughs) Wow. Now, I want them to, like, sell the album on me because there's certain things here that are just keeping me at arm's length at every step of the way, and that's despite the things on this album that are brilliant. In many ways, I find this a little bit of a typical gangster rap album, and don't jump down my throat, people who love gangster rap, because this probably is a diamond in the rough. And and I, I, I see why, but sometimes it just fails in certain little ways. Like, when it comes to the music... I kind of just want to gloss over this because it's already been said by both Matt and John. The music is it, it, hurting it for me. It, it's hurting it actually a lot. Uh, I feel there were no reason, there was no reason why a little bit more effort could couldn't have been placed in 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 the mixing of this. Maybe you don't agree. Maybe this was the, exactly the right approach because a lot of times the music is reserved. It is reserved because that's the the general argument when you're dealing with just about any kind of rap music. It highlights the the lyrics in question, but the lyrics themselves. Even as brilliant as they can be sometimes, there is nothing in this that is, like, inviting me in. Uh, Would you argue that's not the point? You don't want to invite me in that the point is really just to tell my story and that's it? Well, in that case, you still kind of need to wait a ways, because I didn't see this smack me in the face in track one, track two, track three. It was more like in the middle of the album before I really, really got that. Now, by the time that they did, uh, this is where I enter weird territory, because... This is probably where the most brilliant tracks were, or even if they weren't the most brilliant lyrically, it's where it was the most impactful, where I could probably just ignore the music, and there were only a few moments where everything was just completely in sync. And in this sense, the album is almost like a patchwork, but I do admit that it ends on a much better note than it began, which was just question marks with me. Um, Standard fare for 2010's alt-gangster rap, I know that's very specific, but for that, I felt standard fare. Um, only a quick little thing on the, on the Macklemore comparison. I'm coming with pretty much uh, the same place with you two. I, I was a little more critical on that album because I even felt like it wasn't completely 100% as far as uh, mixing was concerned. It was, eh, it was topical. It was, to- it was very topical, and this is also a very topical album. Um, which I, I do feel a little unfair considering it is 2014. I'm not saying these, these issues aren't relevant, but well, the media reflectivity is a little bit more important. And I feel like in some sense, we're being afterthoughts of that. It would be more appropriate. Maybe our discussion would have been a little bit finer tuned had we been having this discussion in 2014. It maybe would have been more heated and maybe uh, would have revealed a little more. I don't know. I I like a little more... This is really tough when you're concerning music that is very emotionally uh, uh, fueled, but sometimes I like just a little bit more even-handed in its, imp- in its approach. I want you to feel what the artist feels, and so I guess at the end, that's not even, that's kind of besides the point. I, I guess really the music is, is the point at the end, which is why I keep kind of going around in circles in my review here, because if the point here, regardless of, of what is, you know, required by society at this particular time, if the point here is to bring out the emotion of the speaker, then I feel what is needed most is the musical. That's what will help the lyrics in every way. In every way, I don't think it should be, uh, I, I don't think that should be glossed over. To me, that is just enough to warrant this not quite being a four. I think this is a 3.9 for that reason, despite the many brilliant lyrics that appear uh, in, in, in v- clumped intervals. Okay. Um, well, 
I brought this album to the attention of everyone today because I felt like back in 2014 when it first came out, I felt that this was the absolute best hip-hop album that I had listened to that year. Um, this album did so much for me, and I've listened to it. I had listened to it so many times leading up to this, and I can see myself listening to it so many times in the future. It just gives me that visceral experience that I want from a hip-hop album, from evocative lyrics to the thumping bass and and really intense beats from uh, a lot of the tracks on the album, especially the, in the front half of the album where the songs are a little bit more single-focused and pop-heavy. Um, Killer Mike even says in Blockbuster Night, he says, Bunches and bunches, punches is thrown until you're frontless, oodles and oodles, bang bullets at suckers noodles, last album voodoo, proved that we were fucking brutal, I'm talking crazy, half past the clock is cuckoo. And just just stuff like that and the the, the lyrical twists and and <clears throat> verbal jabs that, that they both give throughout the course of the album just leave me very excited for what they've done and what they're going to do. On top of that, and this may or may not, this may or may not uh, color my uh, liking of this album, but and it also may be a tangent. But a few months after this album released, LP went down to a an animal shelter in Brooklyn, and he took. Uh, vocal samples of cats, <laughs> purrs and meows and all that fun stuff. And true they story. made true story, and they made a remix album called Meow the Jewels. And if any of this stuff sounds interesting to you, it was free, and <laughs> everyone I feel like should check it out because it it adds another layer. It's a complete remix album. All the beats on that album were made from cat noises. Um, if you're looking for more. <laughs> more music to go along with the lyrics that you already like definitely definitely check it out anyway um taking all that into consideration not really the meow the jewels but all the the <laughs> stuff that i love about the lyrics and the the stuff that i love about the music and the the emotions that i feel as i'm listening to this album as a whole I'm giving it a 4.5. I feel like it's it's very much in the higher echelons of hip hop albums, especially released in the last few years. All right, and that brings it to me, James. Doug doesn't get a vote because he's not here. So <laughs> correct. Aww. His finger might be on his nose if he can't see it. <laughs> so Doug, please email your vote to the following. <laughs> so I came to enjoy this album. So my path to this album is very different than Alon's. Um, Alana and Doug told me about this album and told me about Meow, Meow the Jewels and got me interested in going backwards. I didn't even know who was in the group when it came out. Like, it's, it was crazy for me because I've been listening to these artists for so long. I'm going to start with a quick homework list of people keep saying they're not sure where they're coming from. I want you to know where I'm coming from with both of these artists. I'm just going to give you four tracks, four tracks to listen to. For Killer Mike, I got introduced to him when he was with... He did a song with Outkast called The Whole World. The Whole World, I love that track. You might remember that. <clears throat> and Never Scared, which I put all the time at Bone Crusher and T.I. Fantastic tracks. And that's one side of it, like a real actual hip-hop side of it. An alternative hip-hop 
Through the Fifth of Jux really changed my entire perspective on hip-hop. And LP was a producer, and I knew of him through a track called uh, Return of the B-Boy by Mr. Lift of iPhantom, which has a follow-up track called Live from the Plantation. They're designed to go back-to-back. You should listen to these four tracks <coughs> to get some context. So I listened to this music very heavily in the early thousands, and I would have loved to hear this album then. And the first time I heard this album, I barely noticed I heard it. Um, I was not, it didn't, nothing really stuck to me. There were a few of the lyrics that would just caught me the run the jewels fast, run the run the jewels fast, which is now all your heads again. So, but had you asked me to rate the album then, I probably would have given it 3.2. Then I heard it in the car for the first time, probably been a 3.6. I don't know, five. So now I'm at somewhere between a 3.8 and a 4.2. So I'm going to go with 3.8 to be the lowest number here. Holy moly. It, it's still growing on me. And I really feel like in a month or two, well, now I'm actually going to re-listen to this album because I wouldn't have. It would probably be a 4.2 easily. It has that potential because it's an album that grows on you because of the lyrical content. Um, the music alone doesn't do it. It's interesting production, which you can find any on any album. Um, the producer for one of those tracks on the Mr. Lift, the second half, it was Mr. Lift getting produced by LP, and the second half was Mr. Lift being produced by Edon. Go listen to Edon's album from 2002. Um whatever it's called. It's fantastic. Primitive Plus. Um, that's a production that was really all very analog and I really enjoyed. And this was interesting and grows on you. And the lyrics grow on me. So, it's a 3.8. And a month will be a 4.2. I can guarantee it. But I will listen to it again, which I wouldn't have. Time is important. Yeah, when it comes to enjoying music. It, it Sometimes albums will grow on you after like months and months and months to ultimately years. So, yeah. I mean, I was listening to the Macklemore album. Yeah. I still go back to it, too. Um, I wasn't here for your review of that. Right. So I don't have a number to well, compare it yeah. to. You can listen to it. We have year-end reviews. Maybe you should uh, email your response as of that time when Absolutely. December comes. And we can uh, plug your your adjusted rating for the album. <laughs> I will give you an update. And okay. by then, Run the Jewels 3 should be out, which they're working on right now. And maybe right. it'll grow on me, too. We don't know. Why not? Um, so... All right, I guess we'll head into wrapping up the episode. First and foremost, I want to thank our guests, the Wall Street Players. You're welcome. Two thirds of the Wall Street Players. Two thirds. Oh, thank, thank you for having two Who's thirds the of the Street Players. Here. Big ups to Hoozy Watts. We love you. And the new Hoozy um, Watts. And, and little Hoozy Watts. And the little little fluid. Yeah, ups to Watts. <laughs> I like that. Um, Hoozy Watts Jr. Uh, before we, we, we call it a night and I have you guys do our sign off and we plug the final track of yours that we'll be playing today on the episode. I do want to give Steve an opportunity to read a spam mail since we don't have actual listener mail this I week. I will take that opportunity. Seize it, in fact. Nets Birkin, I will start away, go to Paris to guide it by myself. By Hermes Birkin Bag Outlet. Hermes. What the hell's Hermes. a Birkin bag? <laughs> it's a bag. It's a bag. Search for your Birkins. It's very for expensive. Yeah. It's a bag for your Birkins. What else would it be for? I can't even visualize Did that. you watch Sex in the City? There was no. an episode where... <laughs> so, yes, I'm a little offended by that. I've seen every episode many times. Um, yeah, okay. I'm just going to move on. So, um, it's almost it's almost poetic, really. I no, felt, it's not. I felt. No. I felt. No. Steve, before I put a bow on this uh, wonderful episode, can you tell us what you we're going to be doing next week? A pin in it. Next week, no we are doing it. something I've been wanting to do for so long because my last... Uh, the last time I actually had the opportunity to pick an album, um, I, I, I was a little bit unsure, and I ended up picking uh, In the Magic Hour by Eva O'Donovan. Um, kind of on a whim, 
but then the very next day, oh, not because I didn't like the Eva album. In fact, at the time, I hadn't even I hadn't even heard it. But the very next day, I discovered an album actually because of an article I was writing for uh, my other <clears throat> gig at Classical Light, and I was just searching things to to promote, and this one just perked my fancy. An album called Varmints by composer Anne Meredith, because it was in uh, the news at the time that composer Anne Meredith, she's a, uh, I believe she's a Scottish composer, she had ditched, maybe they were exaggerating this, but that she had ditched classical to go pop. That's the way it was phrased. Now, I admit that after hearing this, I don't think you're it's going to be possible for you to take the composer out of this album. But there are pop elements, and beyond that, it is extremely electronica because it's something that she as a composer has really been into for the last three years. It's not entirely new. Uh, I believe her last album also incorporated electronica, so I think the news story was an incredibly sensationalist, and it was trying to make it seem as if this composer had just decided, I quit, I'm going to be a pop musician. wasn't like that. It was much more of a gradual progression. More, more and according more. to Anne Meredith, she felt that she was able to relate more with her fans in the get-down-with-the-music environment of, a, uh, of let's say, a club atmosphere, as opposed to the stoic, reserved environment of a recital hall atmosphere. So and, she didn't- uh, she didn't just try to burn 500 years of music and go straight into something in the 21st century. Nah, she oh, okay. is. Uh, that would have been more intense, though. Nah, she's so not. Like she's when, not a revisionist. You know, like when Taylor Swift stopped doing country music and released a pop album. If that helps sure. you, sure. <laughs> There's a sure of the episode. Um, yeah, right. Um, we're we're always, always gotta have at least one sure. We sure. do. Sure. Um, before I let you guys sign us off, uh, again, thank you for bringing the album. Thank you for joining us. It's always a pleasure. Uh, look forward to the your your full length album coming out when it comes out. But um, our final track we will be fe- featuring is a track we featured before in their last episode that they wrapped over live for us, um, and it's called "With Checks Bouncing." And I love this track because. This is where the rock influence comes in with you guys, or at least a little bit in the uh, the instrumentation for sure. So, um, so this is a, a track that we've actually performed here live the first time we saw you guys. It's pretty incredible. And since then, on an iPad, by the way, I just need to point out the the ridiculousness of our early podcasting career. Nothing wrong with iPads. Yes, <laughs> but it weird was the acoustic space too, like a really bad. But it was a live space. rap performance on an iPad. Very true. You know. <laughs> but it's an interesting track for us because we've retooled it a lot since then. It was one of the very first tracks that we we ever did the music first and then did the lyrics. We talked about this earlier in the podcast today where we would have our little bin of music to pull from. And this is where we took a bin of lyrics and put them to music we made and made us something we all really seemed to enjoy. Right, briefly. and then over time, the, the music has evolved for it. So uh, I'm happy to uh, have you guys listen to it in its current form. Awesome. So uh, before we get to that, will you guys please sign us off? Absolutely. Music is life. And life is good. Contractual, buying the hypothesis and sell when it goes factual. Do whatever's practical, action not retractable. Props to the band for making beats are quite mechanical. Make a killing like I'm Hannibal with hunger like an animal. Anyone who steps is eating up like I'm a cannibal. The market is inflammable. Praiseworthy and stammable. Wall Street players, trademark, and all the brandable.
Wall Street players, no one can beat us They drink champagne, live life elite us The streets can't touch or try to meet us They can't compete, they'll never beat us Money never sleeps, but it sure gets tired I'm your new boss and you just got fired Got two hookers and bloomberg on Bitches off of my bitches at the versified dawn me. Captain of industry, talk like a chimney, strike deep like a killer bee. Make it fast, stack too steep to tax. Biggest prop profit on the syntax. Bugged out while with no syntax. Wall Street plays, no one can beat us. We drink champagne, live life, lead us. The streets can't touch or try to meet us. They can't compete, they'll never beat us. Don't call us nerds, cause we're smarter than you. We are two thirds Mezza and half a Jew. Not paying till tomorrow, that's how we do. With a mean credit score of 902. Spreading lies about tomorrow like a fat Al Roker From downtown Houston Just north of Soho My UK Drogues And my SoCal Drogues Wall Street plays, no one can beat us We drink champagne, live life and lead us The streets can't touch or try to meet us They can't compete, they will never be us If you enjoyed this and other album analyses, topics, and guests, please subscribe to the Crash Chords Podcast on iTunes, where you can also rate us and review us. For more media, also subscribe to Matt's one-on-one interview series, Crash Chords Autographs. To receive emails on all new content, subscribe at the top of our homepage. Also receive updates by liking us on Facebook, following us on Twitter at Crash Chords Web, our Tumblr, and our YouTube channel. And remember, keep the discussion going, because music is life, and life is good. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to share them in the comment board below each post. Otherwise, email us directly at admin at crashchords.com.